Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. In this week's show, we're going to recap Fight to Win 127 in Dallas, Texas. We're going to talk about the World Jiu-Jitsu Festival. We're going to talk a little about Battle Grapple 6. Six. Uh, we're going to talk about Nikki Rod versus PD3, Pat Downey, uh, in Who is Number One. And we're going to preview uh, a little bit Forged in Fire, some super fights there. As always, I'm your sh- on the show, I'm your host, Maine. Don't my co-host. Emil. Dude, I'm still very tired. Dude, it's, it's two years till the next ADCC. I'm kind of bummed. I'm kind of bummed, but I'm also kind of ready. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> dude. I'm, dude, I got sick. Did you I, get sick? Yeah, like I, I being West Coast time, not sleeping very much, coming back, my sleep patterns were totally hosed. And I think I just, yeah, I think between the travel and lack of sleep, I've, I am clearly hoarse. Dude. Like coughing a bunch. So. Uh, yeah, so we're going to news Worth here. it. We're going we're gonna to news here in a second. Dude, I got home. I took off Tuesday. We got in Monday, like midnight-ish from ADCC. I didn't know what time my flights were. Uh, I actually was on the same flight with you and Rachel. That was very nice. Yeah. And um, I took off that Tuesday. Uh, I went to bed at like, I edited probably till like, I don't know, like, I think 12.15 or like, I think I edited till like 1.30 that morning. I don't know. I Everything's a blur. Um, I then woke up Tuesday at 1.10 in the afternoon. Yeah. My body was like, hey, you've been up till 3.30 or 4.30 every morning, our time, editing for ADCC. Um, you need to take a sleep. Yeah. So well, I woke up Tuesday and I was like, what did my body just do to me? You had a ton of amazing interviews. I'm still putting out interviews from ADCC. Yeah. It's, there's a, t- like, we got to interview basically all of our favorite grapplers. Like yeah. There's uh, everyone's funny. favorite grapplers. There's a bunch of guys that I miss. I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to get an interview or talk, or literally get to talk to we that literally, guy. We didn't have time to do no. it. There's uh, literally just no time. If you haven't heard the interviews we did, we did interviews with Gordon Ryan, Gary Tonin, Tanquino, um, Lachlan Thor, Giles, Orlando Sanchez, Craig Jones, Lachlan Giles. Those are all up right now on our YouTube Gabby page. Gabby Garcia. Gabby Garcia. That's on Instagram right now. Um, and so go find our YouTube page, Grappling Rewind, and look at those interviews because uh, we did some really cool interviews with those guys and I think it's really good content. Again, we're looking to expand more content on the YouTube side of things. So take a look. I'm going to be putting more stuff on YouTube as time goes on, but as well as the podcast and some other things we're doing. Um, Let's see what else. Oh yeah, I also updated the website. So the website now has some ADCC related articles on it that David put out. It's going to have one by the time this comes out that you made um, to go up there, maybe one or two. Uh, Our events list is updated. (laughs) Um, it's been a big, big Grappling Rewind week. Yeah, there's been a lot, a lot of just amazing stuff. Like I'm, I'm still trying to think back on my favorite moment of ADCC, and it's, it's just impossible to pick. For like, some reason, I have a soft place in my heart for when Gordon Ryan and Gary Tonin took the mat to face off against each other. That the, was that was just in the arena. There was something like cool about the crowd because it wasn't like. It wasn't just like hype to see a match. It was hype to see like these two guys face each other in a competitive setting. Like it had a different kind of aura to the crowd. Had a different kind of aura when those two guys walked out to fight each other. It honestly, it was it was a little somber for me. Like it seemed yeah. like like Gary usually comes out goofy, but he he was not goofy at he all. Was, in this uh, he was not nearly as goofy this week. Like the whole ADCC no, I mean, week. He, he did, he did, I mean, he had his cowboy hat, he had his five guys shirt, like he did stuff, but when he walked out to this yeah. match, there was a somberness to it, and Gordon on Instagram, I think, earnestly said that it was like the saddest moment of his life having to like submit submit like, his coach, coach basically. In, in the biggest like 
Yeah. In the biggest arena that there is in grappling. Like, yeah. And that's that's but, tough. But that moment of those two guys walking out was really special for me. Um, Fion upsetting um, Bia. Bia. Oh yeah, was that, a huge moment. That was Lachlan, all three Lachlan Giles finishes again. We talked about this all last week. It was amazing. But having a week to kind of ruminate and see kind of how everyone took the losses, everyone took the wins, what people have done beyond there. I think Lachlan said he gained twelve thousand followers in like the first day yeah. after that on Instagram. That that run was momentous. And again, I think you know. I think without any hyperbole, I think that was the the most memorable kind of win series of oh, wins yeah. in the entire tournament. It was you so know, like, huge. It's, oh, it's another, just funny. Another Instagram news: um, Fight to Win 2019 has now changed its Instagram handle to Fight to, uh, not Fight to Win ADCC 2019 has changed its handle to ADCC 2021. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm already, I'm already getting excited for the next one. Like, dude, again, one, we're man. only about a year out from the next set of trials. Yeah. Like, or not maybe not even a year out from the next set of trials. I think the trials usually take place November or I forget when the East Coast trials take place. But like that, we're I mean, the whole cycle kind of begins anew. Yeah. And uh, it's, absolutely, it's just awesome. Oh, also, uh, shout out to BJJ World TV. We're using some of their photos. Yeah. Um, follow, follow them. They produce some other like really, really good content, like similar to what we do. A lot more um, on Instagram side, like text based stuff, really cool interviews and other stuff. So shout out to those they guys. They have my favorite picture of Lachlan Giles submitting Muhammad Ali. It's it's just iconic when you see it. You know, it, it's I think the the photo. You know, it shows. Oh the my god! On that, um, that that was last week. That was after we recorded the show. There was an image of um, Muhammad Ali getting submitted by Lachlan, and on the post, it was Muhammad Ali commenting, tagging Kanan Duarte and Patrick Gaudio, like, "We need to get this DVD." It was hilarious. I thought that was such a classy move by Muhammad Ali. It was hilarious. It was endearing. Like, and it gave you know, it gave. Lachlan, the props that he yeah. deserved. I was listening to the Fistful of Collars podcast. They were doing their ADCC recap show. I listened to so many ADCC recap shows this week. It's been like reliving it over and over and over again. And they talked about how um, Gaudio and Muhammad were like getting their knees looked at uh, after Lachlan, you know, their Lachlan match. And they were both upset, upset, upset. And they, apparently they both looked at each other and just started laughing. <laughs> so I was like, that's the way to take that. Yeah, exactly. So Because any one of them, like, if that had happened to one of them, they would have been really salty right. about it. But because they had three, three. including the plus 99 kilogram ADCC right, champion, like, that. you can't be that mad. Yeah. So uh, let's see what else. Um Oh yeah, BJJ Fanatics has announced a black belt invitational. Hell yeah! Huge fan of the brown belt invitational they ran. Brown belt and under invitational they ran uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago at this point. Not quite. Um, so super excited to see who they announced for the black belt invitational. That under not that brown belt invitational had some had some huge names on it. So I can't even imagine who they're going to get, especially with the networking that they yeah, have. Yeah, like the the brown belt was like it was like Roberto Jimenez, Nicky Rodriguez. I'm trying to remember. Jesuit Childer was yeah. on there. Um, Yes, huge. Pierre Kirk was on there. Yeah, huge um, names. Yeah, big names. So I'm super excited. Also, also I want to make a shift. Um, I think in the news segment, I want to start talking about big matchups that get announced like that week. Yeah. Because we'll miss, we'll miss some of them. But like we've historically on the Grappling Rewind, like a big announcement has been, you're still sick, aren't you? Oh, yeah. A big matchup has been announced. And then when that event comes up, we will talk about it. Or if it's a huge matchup, we might bring it up in news. I think I want to start bringing up those big matchups, like when we learn about them. Because I think a lot of those, really what the news segment is for is like stuff like that in general. Yeah. Um, So I think we're going to start doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I have no big matchup to announce at this point. But by by the way, uh, going back to what we were just talking about with the um, 
BJJ Fanatics Black Belt Invitational, it was actually a really great moment that uh, Maine and I got to have. We got to pick Bernardo Faria's mind for a little oh, that's bit. Cool. The interview's not out yet. I got to get that interview yeah, you out. Yeah, no, I, I'm just saying as a moment, it's really awesome because we got to talk to him about what it was like for him as a fan to attend the event, what he was looking forward to, all those things. And Bernardo's the man. He's like, he's yeah. super friendly, super approachable. Anyone, if you see him, just go and talk to him about jujitsu. He's super friendly and obviously brilliant. So, um, Pick, yeah. I, I highly encourage you picking his brain about it. But that was a great moment that Maine and I had at ADCC as well. Dude, there's so many, so many great moments. Uh, let's see what other things I have. Um, oh, yeah. Tell your friends about the show. Um, it's the best way that we grow the show. I always talk about it at the end of the show. We have a segment where we kind of talk about that. But I throw it in the news section occasionally. Like, that is the best way that we grow the show. It's the best way that we bring new people into, you know, the listening audience. So if you do have a gym that you train at and you have folks that are interested in professional jujitsu. Shoot them over to us and uh, see if they like the show as well. And check out our Instagram too. We have nice little clips that Maine yeah. really tastefully puts to audio so that or video that so you can see. No, I mean it's really great. Um, I try. I try. I work really hard on the edits for those. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I think when we were talking about Amanda Levy like way back in like episode yeah. sixty six, someone reshared that recently. Like oh this yeah, past I saw week. that. Um, and that's a great. It's a great example. It's it's an interesting little like audio and visual sort of bite and then share that if you if you like it you know um by all means send that to people that you know that yeah feel free to reshare any of the stuff on the instagram page like i don't I much appreciate that yeah, yeah appreciate it. oh bj trickster also put us in uh their video when we were talking about lachlan giles they tagged us in it and they, it's basically the beginning of our segment is talking about him submitting everyone at, at um uh, f- uh oh yeah and then they right. kept sort of highlight video and like a breakdown video of what techniques he's using and where the intro to that so that was that was really cool as well uh what else oh yeah so speaking of that lachlan giles finish uh kent peters uh he is a hilarious dude on instagram and on like other platforms had put a youtube video showing and breaking down lachlan giles's entry into that 50 50 and you were right it was a 50 50 heel hook entry that's really good and it, it like breaks it down for, and kent shows it like a, just a beautiful like instructional of how he did that. I saw it. It's really helpful because, um, you know, it's a it's a really subtle movement. It's it's brilliant. You also see how Lachlan is successful with it. Like I think we talked about this before. People talked about him putting doing two on one grips on a leg and yeah. then the leg not moving when people think that they can kind of running man escape and it actually helps out because we saw something like this um scenario occur in the tanquino mateus gabriel match yeah um so the setup. exact same setup so you know it's, we'll get to that in the fight to win I breakdown think, i think people are starting to see it people are starting to look back at that tape and learning from it already it's a good it's a really really solid entry but shout out to kent peters on that because i think of all the videos breakdowns i've seen that one for me at least was the one that like was it's very succinct it's very good couple different angles and Ken just walks through exactly how that entry happens and it's it's really cool that other people are like good at jujitsu creating like hey this is how this happened I'm a big fan of that so do we have anything else in news I think um just some minor stuff like uh did you see the beef between Tanquino and AJ on Instagram oh I saw that again BJJ World those guys put together like all the comments back and forth between AJ Agazar and Tanquino and Tanquino Tanquino was like yo set it up I don't give a shit. He, with no regard for human life, just murked AJ in the comments. He basically, Tankinio goes through every single major grappling anything, any title, and is like, Did you win this? No. Did you win this? Dude, Did it you was win rough. IBJJF Worlds? No. Goes, Pans, and I beat no. you in Moscow. ADCC. And you can't cry. It was like, 
Jesus. Yeah, it was brutal, man. And then, like, and then he tagged his manager. He was like, I think manager and Bellator was like, make it happen. And I was like, go Tequino to want, you don't want that Tequino smoke. That is, yeah, that is some smoke. That is some smoke. Oh my God. Yeah. Normally, I, we don't know, really talk about, we beef. don't talk about this, but like also Tequino doesn't talk shit. Like, no. he, he's, he's, he seems like legitimately pretty pious as a person like Dude, he gave us a great interview was like super like super reserved. friendly he yeah. seemed super chill you know he had that really awesome moment with um paulo after their match where they were just on the mats kind of like, yeah they're talking about that they were like, praying like a together. great guy like, like seems like a chill guy i think aj really pissed him off so he really pisses everyone off so yeah that's yeah <laughs> the, what's new in beef this week yeah. is um Tanquino getting upset with aj Agger's arm. honestly i'd watch that match yeah, sure. I watch any Tenkinyo match. He's made yeah. a huge fan out of me. So I think that does it for news. The moon, moon of the recaps. So we are back for day two of episode 100. Uh, we got a meal back. Then this is going to go right at the end of the news segment. So people have no idea why we've jumped again. Uh, basically, some big news came out and uh, we had to finish some previews. So big news. Mo announced that he got ADCC 2021 and it will be in the United States. And not only that, but he announced that he's already bringing Seth back on board uh which is wonderful because which we got real excited about i was like cool like if 2019 was this big you know they're gonna go even bigger for 2021 well it's just it it there's already so few questions in terms of production now we've seen what these guys can do they already had the most successful adcc they also they had they produced the biggest and best grappling event of all time yeah like yeah. hands down. So it's like the fact that both that that team is going to work together again for in the next two years and they have two years to plan it now because like, look, you know, who you're going in. They have even more planning time, even more preparation All time. All the fighters know who they're going to mm-hmm. be talking to. They know what worked. They know it didn't work. It's the same team. Like just that same team getting together to do another event is just it brings me joy because I know that they already produced the best grappling event that's ever been seen and they're going to do it again. And, you know, I am excited for it to be in the United States because it makes it a little bit easier for me to attend. But that's not r- the real reason why I'm excited. I'm excited for the continuity, right? Yeah. And building off of, you know, this really exciting event that they put on. I think this is a really pivotal moment in grappling and I'm glad that they're capitalizing on it and they're, they are saying, okay, we have something here. We have the streaming capability. We have the crowd. We have the production. We mm-hmm. have all of these pieces that finally the sport might be able to really take this as a foothold and grow to a yeah. larger audience. So that's what I hope. So they're proposing locations. And we talked about this privately for a while, yesterday and even today. Uh, Mo is trying to push Vegas 2021. Uh, Amil and I were kind of going like, you know, it'd be dope. Miami would be dope. You talked about New York yes. as well as being like a really good, like you want to bring in a local market. So it's like, it's cool right now. There are all, all these discussions about if it's going to be the United States where in the United States, basically different places are kind of almost making their bids now. Like fans are going, you should host it in my city because, and so Mo, but Mo seems to want to host it in Vegas. He put some really good information out as to why he wants to host it in Vegas. Vegas is the MMA. It's the fight capital of the world for MMA and boxing and other sports. So he kind of wants to bring ADCC there to kind of establish it and legitimize it in that same area. So I, and this is just Emil Sandoz Rosado speaking his own mind. This is that uh, caveat, like not endorsed by the grappling room. Yeah, mind. yeah. I mean, kind of is if you're saying it. Here. Yeah, but it's it's just my take. I'm not. I've never run a. You know, I haven't produced anything. I'm not a promoter. But here's my thought. I the reason why I say New York is it's probably the largest, but 
maybe at worst second largest um, population of jujitsu practitioners in the United States, uh, with the only exception to that maybe being Southern California. San, it was either San Jose, or San Jose, um, San, San Diego. Diego, or Los Angeles proper. And I would say that probably New York, the greater New York area, just by sheer numbers. Just about, what, you say 20 million people? Yeah, in the greater New yeah. York area. 20, 20 million people. I mean, know. it's within drive distance for us. And just look at the schools that are in Manhattan alone, right? You have Unity, mm-hmm. you have Marcelo Garcia, and mm-hmm. you have Henzo Gracie. Yeah. And all of those guys had places. Uh, did Unity win? Anything? I think Shaolin is also in New York. I mean, people yep. don't talk about him as much, but that's that's another huge. There's team. a bunch of huge affiliations and a yeah. bunch of guys from like that area that produce world class level grapplers. Again, it's not a bad bait. I just think New York's really hard to get around in. So like, you know, but it's like, I feel like what you have to do is you have to build volume, right? Like, you you have to you have to have a larger event. Like, what I would love to see is in you know in Emil's ideal world you know sell out Madison Square Garden right like that would be like, cool that, that would just be that huge. would that would be cool it it would just be like it would be just colossal i've been to nfl games and the feeling of walking into a stadium with like 30 40 50,000 people in there screaming is like it, I mean, different experience. It's a different experience, and so to have that, I would love to see. Mo wants to do the MGM work. in Vegas, which I think is another one of those pivotal arenas that you could do. I don't know how big MGM is. But uh, like, I I like used what, to know. I don't know. Ten to twenty thousand people. Is it that? I think I think it's smaller than that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm gonna so speak, I just, I'm gonna speak out of my I just ass. Feel here. like you know, if you do ADCC building off of what happened in LA this year, you do and the massive success City, that that was. You know, I think modestly you could double those numbers in New York City. And I, I, I can't speak to it. I think that would maybe be realistic, but it's, it's got a good airport. Like LA has a good airport. So. But like airports aside, yeah. just look at the local population. Then, yeah, you have three major airports within, you know, 40, an hour. 40 minutes to an hour, right? You have Newark, you have LaGuardia, you have JFK. Mm-hmm. Boom. Not to mention you're drawing from 20 million people. Yeah. I, so we're, we're postulating. We, this, this will be a conversation that we continue until the actual city is announced. But I got excited about it in the U.S. Moe's doing it. Seth's doing it. Like Wherever it is, we're going. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, we're going. Like as soon as you get them to do the exact same thing I did last year, which is as soon as the dates are announced, I'm buying ADCC tickets and I'm buying flights. Yes. We were, we were just talking to a friend about this. Like you have to go. If you're listening oh to this podcast yeah. and you're in the United States or somewhere Start else. budgeting now. Yeah. You have two years. Yep. Proper two years. Yeah. Start budgeting to go on this badass adventure to ADCC 2021. Absolutely. So anything else on that? That's it. Awesome. Go save for the event. Go to the event. Oh, also, I forgot about news. Uh, this is Grappling Rewind episode 100. The big 100. Congratulations, man. I'm You've been here for like most of them at yeah, this point. Yeah, at this point. The whole I guess team. So. Like, I mean, I'm the only one that's been on all of them. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we made it to 100. Yeah. No one's stopped us yet. Honestly, yeah, FCC is- hasn't come down on us. Dude. You know, like me and Josh can drop as many F-bombs as we want. Pretty it's much, great. yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great. You were episode 100. We were going to do a big thing for episode 100, but um, ADCC happened the week before, so Emil's been sick. I've been it's, super tired. It's been episode 100 week, okay? Basically, like, yeah. We've, Maine especially has put in a bunch of effort releasing, so these, <laughs> releasing these amazing interviews. You know, we, we typically don't do interviews. I think when we can, when we can talk to someone that is a huge name that anyone can relate to and they can talk about a specific event that they are engaging in, that they're competing in. I think that's great. 
main i think your interviews are wonderful it was great to interact with everybody there so episode 100 uh you know there you go you had a whole week of content um you had three adcc episodes that we released live basically like every single night yeah. of adcc yeah, so, so 100 like numbered episodes, episodes 100 numbered episodes that episodes. come out on tuesday typically but on this week there's a plethora of uh you know grappling rewind that you can listen and watch um and you know we're happy to share that with you it's happy we were happy to meet a bunch of people you know awesome. like a bunch of listeners um that was really great to interact with people um, you know, thanks for the feedback and everything. Yeah, and I think you it'll, know, it'll help make our show better. And I'm super excited for what the next hundred episodes will bring. Yeah, um, we're we have we're hoping to expand. Um, yeah, and you know, I think we're definitely going to do provide- more interviews at events. I think we have some. We, I think we, Emil and I, and the whole team have talked about basically expanding in some different areas and being able to do additional content right. and give basically additional stuff and in professional information to the community. I think we're really excited about that. Nothing we want to really announce yet, but we had a big discussion between everyone on the team here about like episode 100 and what we were looking for post ADCC and you know what we were looking to do in the future and we have some real cool stuff in the works. So Cuz it's been just about two years now. Pretty much. I think and November 7th. Fight to Win. I know about Fight to Wins. Fight to Win 53 was the first show um, and we've been doing it ever since then. I think November 7th or 11th of 2017 right. we've missed one week which was that first christmas like a month in and then we've not missed a show since then yeah so so that does it for uh, episode 100 talk we were gonna do a more special episode oh we have um rob sullivan on to talk about the wrestling matchup between nick rodriguez and pat down pd3 pat downey um a little later in this episode and um but yeah, yeah. awesome so thanks that's for tuning in for 100 episodes we appreciate your appreciate your time so, moving on to our recap of Fight to Win 127. This event played at a total of $36,939 in salvage commissions and was headlined by black belt Augusto Tinquino Mendez, defeating Mateus Gabriel via split decision to become the Fight to Win lightweight no-gi champion. This is a rematch from ADCC. Yeah, and this took place in Dallas, Texas. Took place in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I am amazed by Seth's matchmaking. If you look at the next three... Um, headliners, right? All your headliners. One. Like you awesome. have, you have ADCC rematch between Tanquino and Mateus Gabriel. The week after ADCC, you have Gordon Ryan versus Muhammad Ali in the two weeks. Week, two weeks after the ADCC. Oh no, in two weeks from now. Yes, so October eighteenth. That's the Jersey card, right? Yep. Yeah. And then the week after that, you have the ADCC rematch of the plus ninety nine kilogram finals: Kanan Duarte versus Nicky Rodriguez. The craziest lineup. Of all that's just amazing matchmaking yeah. by Seth. Like that's like that's brilliant. Like dude, it's funny. Like half the guys we interviewed after ADCC were like, uh, whatever. You know, I'm looking to get more matches with Fight to Win, and whatever Seth's going to you know match me up on. I'm like, if every all your top guys are like looking for matchups on Fight to Win, like this is why we cover Fight to Win every single week almost because they put on fire matches. This is a fire match. They fire matches and they every. It, they're constantly evolving, right? Like yeah. now adding judo, judo, judo title match. Judo has been amazing. Awesome. Yeah. It's so fight to win has been incredible. Sets matchmaking has been incredible. Um, and now they are becoming a household name in jujitsu and we're oh, yeah. excited to, to be covering them. So, but 
On to Fight to Win 127. We have Augusto Tequino Mendez defeating Mateus Gabriel by split decision. This, so, I don't know if this should have been a split decision, by the way. Uh, I think he, a split decision was a little weird here. I do think it was split decision. Here's okay, why. Fine. So we had um, Tequino basically doing all of the passing, and, and, and he... Most of the passing was from standing, so there was amazing guard work by Mateus. Yeah. Um, at one point, Mateus gets like a near baby bolo type situation, and then he ends up at, grabbing at the leg. Six forty-five into the match, or remaining in the match. I had to pick a time stamp of it because it was like that was a really cool like transition. So it's really cool because he and he very barely uses his arms in this. It's just no. really fast leg movement. He gets a near baby bolo and rather than trying to take the back or anything, he's really intelligent to the rules and he goes for a leg lock and it's the same leg lock setup that Lachlan Giles hits on Muhammad Ali. But there's a key difference and that's where... That it's Tanquinho. Well, and Tanquinho's real, real good. The other thing too is that Lachlan... You know what he does is he gets the two-on-one grip on that ankle, and then he yep. rips the leg up into a saddle position first. Okay. In this case, Mateus Gabriel just launched immediately into the heel hook and wasn't able to get to like uh, that deep saddle that Lachlan hit. Okay. And and so Tanquini oh, was okay. able to I get up. I looked at it. I was trying to figure out exactly why and why how it was different. That makes a lot of sense. You'll now. see that he he yeah. launches immediately. I was thinking the about the, where the foot position was, and it's right. It's not. He's not as passed across in that kind of deep saddle like you were talking about. Right. He's like a little more shallow. Right. That makes sense. Um, so. Um, so Tanquinio is able to escape. And Throughout the entire match, though, Tanquinio was doing something I think low key that sealed the match for him. In, in my eyes, is why it really maybe it shouldn't be a split decision is because he kept attacking that Estima lock from standing, and he even, like had good bites on the Estima over and over and over again. And like he was the one that was throwing up. I think he threw up at least like four or six of them throughout the match. Like they were like legitimately, and Mateus had to move or change his foot. They weren't like just. <sighs> throwing up wasted subs they were like legitimately strong and he was cranking into the esteem locks I, that for me in the fight to win rule set the guy throwing up subs i think those are what won him the match in my eyes possibly but the thing is that you get into the scenario where it's like what you know how do you weigh a bunch of esteem lock attempts versus you know uh one deep inside heel hook attempt right like right so it's it's a little different and, and then and we've talked about this Tanquino, before like how much does one rear naked choke count for versus like or like yeah minutes on the back attacking a rear naked right, choke versus, versus one like super deep or, or, one that doesn't work yeah yeah so or like two or three you know leg lock attempts right, right. so there there it's hard to weigh these things and actually at one point tanquino goes for his own heel hook basically it's a scramble ex- exchange oh that's right that's Mateus what i'm talking about at, on 640, top, at 645 and tanquino goes for his own heel hook it's i think for example and this is completely subjective but i think it's less threatening it's an outside ashigurami attack that mateus you know is able to escape immediately so i yeah, think I it's think a so. tough call you know like it's i can see you know depending on how people interpret those threats you know i could see it going differently so yeah, that's re- but, that's you know was pressuring the whole time so mm-hmm. if you call it even with the submission attempts i Tanquinho's think it's clear the top passer yep. and we tend to see i think i kind of like where the meta's going that like you can pull guard that's fine but the top passer is going to get the is going to get the stallings which aren't really a thing in fight to win yep. but they're also going to win the decision if I, they're being active exactly. i like that because i think that's that's such an yeah. even way to do it. You know, they get the stalling penalties, but they get the decision if they maintain. Right. It. And I, I think that's like, 
Yeah, I, I like I like the current meta that we're seeing because I feel like we're getting a lot less matches that are kind of like City and Stolly in that knee cut. We're getting guys on the top that are really trying to fire that knee cut through, which is what Tinquino did for the majority of the match here. Right. So, great match. Tinquino is a beast. Um, happy to see him competing again. Um, you know, we saw him with one of our favorite matches in Fight to Win uh, versus the Wagner matchup. That was amazing. That's so, still a great match. We got okay. So I, before I got to say it on the show, I need your list of rewind recommends matches so I can get it up, up oh, on the yeah, website. Here, let me. I'll start doing that now. Okay. Uh, while we continue on, so next match. Next match, we have Vitor Oliveira defeating Rafael Formiga Barbosa to become the fight to win Masters welterweight <laughs> champion. Barbosa was seven and zero going into this matchup. Yeah, it's but it was a dominating match for Vitor. Vitor was just on top. Barbosa was, tra- the was just time. trying to sweep, trying to sweep. He started from he started from the half guard from the pole, and he got some really cool half guard entries going. He would get out, he'd get up to like a dog fight position, he'd almost get over. But Vitor did a great job the entire time stuffing. I think every single entry and turnover and sweep attempt. I think they went up to the feet a couple times, but Formiga would pull again into the half guard, and he would get some really nice lapel work. Like it was a beautiful technical match, definitely a little bit on the slower side, um, but it was just Vitor just shut all of the passes down, like really technically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, it, it looked completely suffocating. Vitor, again, completely dominated there. Um, but yeah, we can we can move on. It was it was it was a fun match. It was super technical, and um, it's I'm I'm interested to see now that Formiga is not the champion who they're going to give him because I assume that he is on the short list again to re challenge for that title. So interesting. So next match we have Buddy Roberts defeating Rocky Birdie via Cloverleaf, and that was submission of the night for the black belts. This is a nifty nifty setup. This is like my favorite setup for the uh, for the Cloverleaf. It, this was a an, this was a amazing match, and actually we had to check to make sure that um, you know the knee wasn't completely blown out after this. But um, basically, um, Buddy gets a takedown, and Rocky regards, um, and he goes to a seated guard with one leg in and one one leg out, and Buddy backsteps and six sits into the saddle. This is my absolute favorite cloverleaf entry because you sit back and then the way that you have your hips positioned is like you can roll and get both their legs on top of each other to finish for this clover i think on the show i had to show you what a cloverleaf was yes like yeah you the did 30 or 40 episodes you're like what is a cloverleaf I'm like it's this thing you're like oh that sucks a lot i don't like that at all <coughs> well it's 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 amazing because even if you don't hit the cloverleaf submission itself you have, the you have heel both hook, legs you have the knee bar you have heel hook on both legs both you legs. have the knee bar there's a toehold you can go for there and you get the cast but like the texas cloverleaf is low key it's like that's my favorite entry because it goes to the knee bar or you can get the cloverleaf yep. and you can keep fighting through like all of these different submissions as the guy tries which to is escape. crazy because rocky doesn't seem to be aware of how much danger he's in like i think he's aware that like, that entry is super strong though like it's really yeah, hard just, with the angle of your hips to start pulling stuff out where the cloverleaf is like it took cloverleaf whenever guys get hit with the cloverleaf it always looks like there's this weird pause because you're not at a good angle to come for the hands you're not at a good angle to like roll the hips because you have both legs turned. You're not at a good angle to like turn the feet. Like it's just this kind of like dead ended position unless you've kind of got the jump and you're starting to free your knee line out. Like yeah, it's got it's a really nifty 
sub. And this, I think, is my favorite way I see it entered and my favorite way I see it finished. That top side, Texas Cloverleaf, beautiful, deserves submission of the night. Uh, at about five hours and 40 minutes and 58 seconds is when that happens in the match footage. If you want to go back and watch it, highly recommend. I love the Texas Cloverleaf. Yeah, one of Maine's favorites for sure. It's awesome submission, great entry. Uh, we have Johnny Tama defeating Diego Santana by a rear naked choke. Tony Trammell defeats Dave Matthews by heel hook. Marcus Antelante defeats Rafael Lang by decision. Michael Foster defeats Jody Jones by decision. Andre Gomez defeats Tony Tipton by decision. Igor Paiva defeats Jonathan Hunter by decision. Luana Alzagir defeats Chelsea Lyons by decision. Jordan Burton III defeats Alex Guerrero by decision. Lucas Lima defeats Devin uh, Ordinario by decision. And onto the judo matches. These were fucking awesome Dude, as the per judo usual. matches for fight to win are always that hot, spicy fire. Absolutely. Um, we have Taylor Weber defeating Nathan Kearney by decision. And this is about five hours and 25 minutes into the event footage. He becomes the fight to win judo featherweight champion. I Is this the first... This is the, one of the first few, if not Titles. the first title for judo As that Fight to Win has done. I can't remember one, yeah. I talked about it. Oh, this being the first one. I'm not sure if we talked about when we previewed this matchup <laughs> that this is the first one or if um, one has occurred previously. But I, it's, it's one of definitely I'm the first sure few. I'm pretty sure this is it because this is also some of the most judo matches we've seen I think I think we've seen five or six is the most. I think there, there might have been one card where there were more, but like typically we see like two to three, so it's cool to see the more judo being showcased on the cards because the judo matches like they always just guys just bring it especially when you start looking at the next match we have ej lynch defeating matthew kearney by choke well i want to talk about the previous match oh sure there was a really cool uh modified peruvian necktie uh entry here it's from like a clock choke variation there was a bunch in the other match too yeah there's like three different two or three different matches on this card that had a really similar like judo peruvian necktie like some guy goes for the clock choke and then they loop around and they step over and for like a a one-armed peruvian variation with the gi really cool uh you see it occasionally in jiu-jitsu but it was cool to see like a couple different judoka on this card utilizing that entry it was Absolutely. like really interesting so we have ej lynch defeating matthew kearney by choke and this was submission of the night for the judokas so yeah ej hits um really nice uchimata to ochigari combos like the only reason yeah. why I'm, i know that is because uh, i watched a breakdown where ron they they broke down Ronda Rousey, and this is like her favorite combo, basically. Yeah. It's a really strong combo. You see it work like in Gi and Nogi and it, MMA. It, like. it attacks the near leg with the Uchimata and mm-hmm. then the far leg with the Koji. Yeah. So it's it's awesome. There's it's, a dude in my club that hits this on me all the time, and uh, I've had a, I've get, got him to teach to me because I really love the Uchimata. Like I, I throw the Uchimata in Nogi and in Gi. Like I'm really, really comfortable with that throw. Um, but he has really good combos off of it, so it's really cool to actually be learn, be in my own training, be learning this combo and then to see it getting hit in a professional matchup. So um, then Matthew attempts a double leg on EJ, and EJ reverses. Matthew turtles, and then EJ steps into a triangle from the back, and he holds it for a while. He's even transitions to an arm bar. And he's holding it, and like the commentators are like, he's out. He's not out. He's out. He's not out. Which is crazy I think he's like, out. I don't, like, in jiu-jitsu, it's weird. In jiu-jitsu, I never see someone actually get choked from that. It's, it's usually a, a control grip. He's in a reverse triangle from the back. Yeah. Basically, he's in. Inverted. <sighs> Inverted triangle from the back. So there's like four different triangles. Right. You have the triangle. You have the reverse triangle, so when, which when is on the wrong side. When you say reverse triangle, I always think of your legs 
going goofy, right? Yeah. So, so basically, instead of choking on the good side, you're choking on the bad side. Right. Like exactly. the non-arm side. Exactly. Right. So that's a reverse triangle. So the, yeah. Then you have an inverted triangle, which is when you're upside, upside down. Upside down. Then, then you, you have, have a triangle, triangle from, from the back, back, which is when you're seated in there in your lap. Right. Then you have an inverted triangle from the back. That's and what then we you have an here. inverted reverse triangle. Okay, so Wait, I this was an get, inverted triangle from right, back. I always get super confused with all the naming and terminology because I'm like, okay, was this a reverse, inverted, or reverse? Because there, there's so many variations you can triangle someone with. So this is a reverse triangle from the back. Right. Yeah. I, I love this attack. I've seen Judoka hit this a lot. In fact, well, it's right off the sprawl. And if you, if you get far enough on the guy in the sprawl and you can start locking your legs around him. Yeah, why like, not? Boom. Yeah. It's rare to see it in jujitsu, but like in judo, you see guys like. We see this position a lot more in that like way where guys driving. On I think legs. probably because in jujitsu, when someone turtles, people are way more focused on taking the back. But in judo, yeah. that you want to just get the the quick finish, and so people will do. I literally so when I went to the um, the judo open back in like uh, twenty eleven or New York Open, yeah, yeah, um, I saw this huge dude from Germany hit this where it was a turtle. He just grabs the dude's belt. Grabs behind the collar, lifts literally just like lit, like deadlifts the dude off of the ground, and then steps into a triangle to choke him from the back. <laughs> and I was like, "That's baller. We would never do that in jujitsu. We definitely try to take the back and work like dude, an RNC." That's why I like the judo fight win because you see like a bunch of other groundwork. It's like, "Oh, that's slick." Like the Peruvians, like all the yeah. Peruvian entries, like, yep. "Oh, that's a slick entry to that." And basically, this this reverse this inverted triangle from the back is super tight and matthew ends up going unconscious yeah like like, i didn't see out. it this is like this is not like a valhalla club this was like is he out? and seth's looking at like is he out is he not and like yeah, they, and like i have absolutely no idea i watched the finish like two times no idea when he goes out yeah it's hard to say but so he i think he was just kind of fighting semi-conscious yeah. or whatever deservedly submission of the night for the judokas for uh fight awesome. to win here. go back and watch it mm-hmm. um we have giala kalman defeating garrett andrews one upon to zero um, we have Matt Jackson defeating David Yoshida one opponent to zero. And that was Friday the night for the judokas. They came out, Matt came out and he, on his title card for his name, it was listed as sexy Matt Jackson. <laughs> I just love it. Cause fight to win usually like puts their, puts people's like names on the card. They don't usually put like, like haha funny caveats. So it was funny to actually have him introduced on the card as sexy Matt Jackson. Yeah. Um, this match had great exchanges. There was, there Another was Peruvian last was single t- Yeah, there's multiple times yeah. this like clock choke Peruvian necktie. I like the way judokas go for the single leg because they go for that single leg with the whole point to slam you on your back. Like it's not that wrestling single leg or like the jiu-jitsu single leg where it's like, cool, I want to sit you to your butt and get around your guard. It's no, I want to lift you up and turn you. It's like the DC single leg where like you get it up and you lift and you rotate them over and they land flat on their back. Like, I, I like how judo... It's like that impressive-looking single leg because they try to lift up and, like, walk the guy with it. Yeah, it's you saw awesome. that here. Um, so, the Epon, I had to look this up, okay. I, but I did. I'm trying well, the camera angle's a little hard here, too. It is hard. Because Seth, Seth walks right in front as the Epon happens. I think I found it. Okay. And I'm, I'm trying to learn... To, to learn to be able to identify judo throws that I'm not familiar with. Right. That we see less in jujitsu. So, this throw, I'll describe it to you first. Basically... Okay. Matt, um, you know, they're fighting towards the edge of the corner. Matt has a collar grip, I think. And then with his forearm, he reaches over behind and gets a belt grip while they're facing each other. And then what he does is he does a kind of like wheeling motion 
towards that outside belt grip hand, and he kicks his right leg to hit uh, David's far leg. Okay. okay. Yep. On um, so it's and right now we're at a pretty standard entry for a lot of different throws. Right. And um and what happens is it's a wheeling throw where basically David goes completely like flying overhead. And I looked this up. I th- it looks almost like a foot sweep variation. It for looks how like he a foot sweep. It. Yeah, but he like there's some super like big lift here as well in the but foot the sweep. difference is like yeah, exactly. There's lift and rotation. So yeah. I think it's a Sasai Sudikomi Ashi. So it's a throw that I'd never heard of. I had to literally go through and... One more time, Mif. It's a Sasai Sudikomi Ashi. Sasai Sudikomi Ashi. Yes. Sweet. So it uh, translates to lifting, pulling, ankle prop. Um, huh, that's exactly what happened. It was yeah, like exactly. pulling ankle prop. Yeah, Dude, it's funny. That's why I love the judo names for those. Because like the Japanese for me is super hard because I don't really speak Japanese, but I love the translations. It's always like that's a big arm like inside wheel throw. You're like, that's exactly what that throw is. Yeah, it's a big arm inside wheel throw. Like oh, this lifting big ankle prop throw. I'm like oh sweet, that makes sense. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's what that is. It'll be interesting to in the future sit down with more judoka and try to, um, you know, expand our uh, judo. I'm low key working on something. To get sweet the judoka in to like talk some That'd judo be great. with us. So uh, nothing yet, but I'm working on it. Again, multiple Peruvian neckties by David, um, and David actually nearly hits a leg reap, but Matt twists around and lands belly down. At one second remaining, Matt hits a drop sayonagi, but David pivots on his head to land in turtle. Uh, it was this a, great a fun match. match. Like, yeah, this is a really really fun match. It's again deserve, deservedly Friday the night for the judoka here. It was just like the match finished the time, and I was like, oh, that was like a quick. Ma-. I love when it's like that was a quick match. Like oh, I said that was the whole time. Yeah. So good match. Next match, Hector Negron defeats Chad Stevenson by choke. On to the brown belt results. Hunter Colvin defeats Cody Steele by heel hook. And that was submission of the night for the brown belts. And Hunter Colvin goes on to become the brown belt nogi middleweight champion. So I spoke. I misspoke earlier. This is actually the match where we had to go back and check to make sure. Okay. I wasn't going to yeah, say yeah. anything. You were like, that this, this leg hurt. It's like, I was like, he'll, he'll get there eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this was the one. Oh, my God. Great submission. Because there's exchanges. a highlight going up around on Instagram of uh, Hunter Colvin. Uh, basically, Cody Steele goes to, like, attack his own footlock. And Hunter, like, pummels the feet in. Pummels the, yeah, feet in. Pummels the hands in. And it's that camera angle that you, you're looking sideways at the leg. And you get to watch the cat, the knee be here, like, in front of you. And the heel, like, turn, turn, turn. While turn. the knee and is And you completely... watch the leg do that, like, spiral motion. You're uh. like... Oh God! Oh, it's gonna break! Oh, it's yeah. gonna! And you're looking, you're looking straight, like profile on with the leg, yep. and then like the tap happens, and the leg snaps back into place. And I was just like, either his hands came off, or he like spiral fractured all of his leg. And so I, I texted a message Hunter. I was like, Hey, uh, is this leg like good? And he was like, No, my hands coming off. I was like, Cool. Yeah. So great submission exchanges, Kimura traps, heel hooks, fifty-fifty heel hook shootouts. Um, basically, Cody has a le- loose heel hook attempt, and H- Hunter rotates around, grabs the leg, and gets into a saddle position to finish an inside heel hook. And insides Dude, are just brutal, man. We're seeing much more of both these guys. Like Hunter's yeah. been on the rise recently with some big wins. I can't come off hand; it's bothering me. Like I, we've covered him a bunch of times on the show before. I know he has a big one. Or, he has a couple big wins, and I'm trying to think of like what he was on. I know he was on EBI. Um, he's been on some other stuff too. And Cody Steele, we've seen like you know be super active and looked super good recently. He's a highly, ta- both both of these guys are highly touted brown belts. This is really cool to see them match up. I assume this is not going to be the last time that these two guys match up. So yeah. exciting match. Watch, but keep an eye on both these guys. These are definitely guys that you should, you know, 
be watching in the future. Absolutely. Um, so next up, we have Bobby Alexander defeating Flacco Flores by split decision. Dude, you're you're having a rough day yeah. right now with your voice, and he retains the <coughs> Masters middleweight and Nogi title. This is the most you've ever coughed on a show ever. Oh, yeah. But you do it professionally. You're leaning away and coughing, and then you come back to the mic. <coughs> right as point. you say that, right? Next um, match. Mark Frenescuti defeats Joshua Sutton by Ezekiel. Kevin McCormick defeats Aaron Culpepper by split decision. And that was Friday the Night for the Brown Belts. Wally Thompson defeats Adrian Teddington by knee bar. William Tackett defeats Michael Salazar by rear naked choke. William S- Tackett, another so one. So crazy to, to see watch. him s- so far down. Wait, is he Brown Belt now? I guess so. Or he must be. Might be fighting. Might be fighting. Fight, fight the wind does that. If you're like a purple belt and you're crushing guys, they're like, all right, you're having, you're fighting, you're fighting guys like Nicky Ryan. They're like, you're not gonna fight purple belts anymore because no, we're fighting black belts. So that's probably. What, I honestly, I think that's probably what's happened with Tackett. Is Tackett's just been on a crushing tear recently, and uh, you know they're like, all right, you gotta fight at least brown belts. Sal Martinez defeats Dusty Martinez by north south choke. Sheila Lindsay defeats Montana De La Rosa by triangle. Uh, Daniel Alvarado defeats Jordan Villanova by split decision. Felipe Timoteo defeats Tyler Murrah by decision. Noel, split decision. Sorry, split decision. Noel Morgan defeats David Spindle by decision. On to the purple belts. Keaton Standridge defeats Dylan Hinojoso by decision. To become the fight to win lightweight nogi champion for the purple belts. Jaden Mueller defeats Desiree Favoreto by split decision. And that was Fight of the Night for the Purple Belts. Anthony Robinson defeats Thomas Rodriguez by triangle. And that was Submission of the Night for the Purple Belts. K.L. Golson defeats Lawrence Trotter by split decision. Edward Wisnant defeats Christopher Shaw by decision. Dylan Castellic defeats Junior Flores by split decision. Donnie King defeats Adam Cruz by split decision. On to the Blue Belts. Erica Snow Barnes defeats Catherine Steenberg by choke. And that was Submission of the Night for the Blue Belts. Alfonso Caio defeats Flo Temen- Temegnil by split decision. And that was Friday the Night for the Blue Belts. That was a way better pronunciation of that name than I would have ever done a meal. So Ma- props to you. Mason Woodward defeats Tommy Nickel by decision. On to the kids and teens results. That Sorry. was a kids and teens match. Ma- meal, I do like one thing during the season. <laughs> I butcher names bad and I read Smith of the Night, Brown Belt, Purple Belt, Black Belt, Judo. Okay. Let me do my thing. Mason Woodward defeats Tommy Nickel by decision. And that was Submission of the Night for the Kids and Teens. That was Fight of the Night. I was already ahead of you again. Fight of the Night for the Kids and Teens. I butcher my thing immediately after giving you shit about it. <laughs> Michael Brennan defeats uh, Angel Patino by armbar. And that was Submission of the Night for the Kids and Teens. Great event. Um, definitely some matches to go back and rewatch. Definitely some cool pieces, uh, some technical pieces back and forth, some people that we're going to definitely cover in the future on Fight to Win and on other events uh, on this card. It was a good one. On the next one. So on to a recap of the World Jiu-Jitsu Festival. This is day one. This is a two-day event. Um, as of now, it's Sunday at about 5.30. So we've only seen day one. Day two happens in a couple hours here. We're going to basically cut the segment in uh, after this tomorrow. Yeah, uh, so it, it starts it. at 5 p.m. Pacific time, so 8 p.m. Eastern. When So it'll be after we've been Right, and after, you've, after this episode comes out, this will have already happened. So. Right. Uh, so this is just day one. Uh, day one, what matches do you want to talk about for this one? Well, we'll just, we'll get into it. Um, you want to start with Lovato or you start with Musmechi? Oh, we can start with uh, Lovato. Let's start with Lovato. Lovato, so Rafael Lovato Jr. versus Boogeyman Richie Martinez. Yes. Um, this was just crushing top pressure by Lovato. Lovato is one of the most accomplished, if not the most accomplished American in jiu-jitsu of all time. And Richie Martinez is a really good competitive black belt. Lovato passed 
looked really good. Yeah, he, he basically a way. He's he's um basically from top half more or less. Um, and Lovato gets head control, and you can't, you just can't allow that to happen. Dude, like so good, like he's so good. Richie, Richie's tricky. We've seen Richie like trick guys up before and give him problems, especially in Nogi. Like but we he, saw Martinez in the half guard trying to do like uh, not the fly trap, but the jailbreak. Mm-hmm, like the jailbreak, over, and Lovato yeah. would just step his hip out, so, and just like really good control from Lovato. Lovato is able to secure the pass once he gets. Um, once from top half, he gets head control. He just basically steps around, and yeah, we see Boogie go for that um, that sort of far jailbreak. The jailbreak, yeah, the, yeah. He takes his far leg. He's so f- flexible. He gets it back, but he's not able to. That re-guard. is one of the biggest dudes that has the most flexibility in his knees of anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, he's like one of the only guys at that high level that plays rubber guard. And so, like, he has some serious knee flexibility to get his legs in there. Yeah. Um, and that's his preferred method of getting at a half guard, but Lovato's able to kind of shut it down, gets on top, locks up a really, really tight Kimura, uh, Kimura and just bangs it across the body yeah. and just puts it in the pocket, and that that's it. The, I mean, I think, what what would you say, the time between um, Lovato getting the Kimura grip and getting the tap is, what, like, maybe five to ten seconds? I, I clipped it to watch it over and over again uh, to see. he he By the time he gets the grip and, like, it's in between Boogie's legs and he pulls out of the legs. The time he finishes is two and a half seconds. Yeah. Like he just is so he just good rips and dominant. It. He just, and he like is behind the body. He's all the way. Like it's a beautiful Kimura sequence from, yeah. you know, Lovato here. Yeah. And so Again, Lovato, current Bellator champion, like former world champion, like dude is amazing. So it's cool to see him competing in jiu-jitsu. He talked about like, I don't want one of those guys that goes in jiu-jitsu and never comes back. You know, I want to do both. So it's, it's cool to see him. Um, again, competing. Another guy we don't see competing a ton, but we see at the big events is Mikey Musumeci. Mike also Musumeci. On this card. Yeah. Uh, so he's against Joseph Lee. Mike Musumeci is an outlier. Okay. We, we, yeah. we talk about outliers on the show. And actually, before his second world's run, we were like, oh, we'll see if Mikey, you know, repeats. Because our, our outlier criteria typically is like three world champions, world championships. Like you kind of cement or, yourself there. Or. or or an ADCC within three years, basically. Yeah, or like some other com- some other qualifiers as well that put guys in there, put guys out of there. But like, I would Musumeci, say those are the main criteria. Those are the main criteria we're looking at. Is like, can you be matched up against pretty much anyone in the world and usually win? And then only are losing ever to like the top upper echelon of guys that are also outliers are right on that line. Yeah, and Musumeci was able to get back to back IBJJF world wins, different beat, weight classes, different weight classes beat. Uh, Bruno Malfasine. Dude, I pulled up his record for giggles here. This is Mike's. Michael Musumeci's record. Yeah. And I was looking at like, dude has two losses that are listed on his record of black belt. Do- Isaac Dodelin and Kleber Sosa, of which he has avenged both. He has beaten Jaramiao four times. Yeah. He has beaten everyone else. He Bruno has a win Malfacine, over yeah. Farias twice at least. He has a win over Malfasine. He has a win like... The dude is yeah, he's unstoppable. Unstoppable. He's yeah. crazy. So in this match, we see him pass the guard, get around, get to like an omoplata position, finish, and like finish the omoplata even before the full like turn up and turn this around. This was this was a squash squash match. Like a minute forty five in, and the match is over. And Mike allowed like Mike stepped back and allowed Joseph to regard at one point. Like yeah, he was basically he was so good. He's in the pad. Like it was. It was beautiful it was work will. from Mikey here. Again, excited to see him. I think he's going to step back 
uh, as he finishes his studies. I think in, he talked about it in the post interview. I heard about it. I forget when you were seeing him again, but I think he's going to step. He's done for 2019. We're not going to see him compete on anything else this year, and then we'll see him back in the 2020 season, um, hopefully being continuing to be amazingly dominant and look really good. Yep. So I'll take the next match. Yep. We have Edwin Najmi versus Mateus Luna. Um, so there was actually good exchanges um, throughout here, 50-50, leg locks, mm-hmm. kind of back and forth. Um, Najmi looking very calm, collected, composed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, again, he, Najmi talked about in the post-fight interview, um, and even before, like he was really unhappy with his ADC perform- ADCC performance. I was like a little bit like sad. He just didn't have that fire back in him, and so he wants to get back in here and just like put on good performances. He eventually gets around, gets the pass from a, what is it, double, double unders? Double under. Yeah, yep. double unders, like pretty much right to the back yep. and then fights for the back control and then gets the re-naked choke over and, you know, finishes it. There's some interesting sequences back and forth, some <coughs> leg locks. Luna really throws up some, you know, not really, really deep heel hooks, but they're definitely engaged in a leg battle for the majority of the match. So I was kind of, con- kind of, um, surprised that it finished with a re-naked choke because it looked like both guys were looking for the leg locks. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, anything else on that match? Nope. Final match, we have Diego Romalo versus Bill the Grill Cooper. So lots of pensive guard work in in this match. Um, Basically, Romalo eventually grabs, uh, they're in 50-50, and Romalo um, grabs a straight ankle, and he rolls belly down. And he's able to get the tap there. Yeah. Um, it was. We've know. seen really hot and cold performances from Cooper. We've seen Cooper just come out and look like a world beater. We've seen other performances where Cooper comes out and looks like a little off or something. It's just like Bill Cooper is really, really good, but has like super hot and cold days in performance. So this, I'm not sure if we saw. This like, wasn't hot or cold. You know, it was just it, the back and forth went for a while. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's there wasn't remarkable explosions from either side right. until they get to the 50-50 and then Romalo's just able yeah. to get get there get down and then turn all the way belly down to get the straight angle Quick lock tap, on it yeah. so day two is tomorrow we'll probably cut that in right here so we're not going to talk about oh we'll talk about it later like it'll probably cut in right here and we'll talk about day two so I want to do a recap of World Jiu-Jitsu Festival Day 2. I want to talk about one match on Day 2, which is Gordon Ryan versus Husamar Palhares. Yeah, there. this match was highly anticipated. We've seen uh, the Danaher Death Squad guys go against Palhares now a few times. And, uh, Wait, Tone and who else? Uh, that's, what, did Shields have a Palhares uh, 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 Craig Jones. Craig, Craig Jones, Jones was oh, yeah, yeah, been right. training with the DS yeah, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. so it's like, that's why I was like, wait, and Shields had one too. You're right. Okay, I was wrong. So, um, yeah, Shield. Well, that was an MMA fight where Parhars like gouged his eyes. Oh out yeah, that's a lot. right. And um, that was that match. That was a fit with controversy. So yeah, um, basically, Gordon Ryan takes Parhars' back and then is there for about 14 minutes and 10 seconds and wins the decision. Yeah, that's that's the summary of the match. It, it, Gordon takes Parhars' back within 59 seconds. Uh, under a minute. 57, I think. Yes. 57 to 56 seconds. On the clock, at least, it could have been a diff- little different time for the round time. But basically, Paul Hart, like, he looks good. They actually, it's the, honestly, the first minute of the match is fairly interesting. There's some good butterfly work. There's some really, like, good, good arm dragging. Controls. That- There's some good leg control. Like, honestly, had that match continued like that for the duration of the time, it would have been, like, uh, astonishingly like interesting match from a technical perspective you saw really good weight shifts on top and like actively looking for the leg but looking for the positional control from both guys some coop, super cool entries from Palhares and then Palhares goes for a toehold it's like Gordon a Ryan. no setup toehold too like it Palhares kind of drops back and he's honestly he's really really good and so a lot of times on like guys that aren't like 
world-class level grapplers, he can get in those entries like that. Sort yeah. of, he has those layback entries a lot, and he goes to do it, and Gordon Ryan goes, cool, free back mount. I mean, I remember Gary talking about this in the lead-up to the first, his Pajaris match. On, like, on Polaris. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he was like, you know, the Danaher Death Squad, like, studied Pajaris before they even knew that he, they were going up against him. They were they were studying all of the major leg lockers. Yeah. And he so, was the guy at the current meta, at the, one of the few guys at that era like, that was killing guys with leg locks in MMA, in r- jiu-jitsu. Right. So they watched a, even, like, they probably know Paul Harris. They probably watched more of his matches than he has, right? In terms of, like, overall time. I, yeah. I doubt that he has gone back and watched. And match studied himself a bunch. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. They, those guys are known for doing tape studies, so they tape know. Tape studies, but, like, literally, like, a lot of what he does was, you know, the the things that he does, that Paul Harris does well, was incorporated into that their system leg system. That they have. They, they, yeah. take, they talk about it all the time. They take stuff wherever they see it. They develop their own stuff, And he's stuff got too. some really, really good stuff. Yeah. But this, he just sort of, like, he just sort of, Goes for a toehold, a little out of, not like out of position. Gordon Ryan's just able to see it, see the setup, and then just immediately put the back in. And then he's there for 14 minutes and like 10 seconds. Yeah. And at one point, he traps the arm like really late into the match, and Paris is able to pull out. Gordon Ryan posts on Instagram that he thinks he was greasing. He had a hard time getting across the choke. I mean, Gordon Ryan was super tight. He switches the body triangle, switches the legs a Did lot. Did Gordon say that or Gary say that? I thought Gordon had okay. said that. Okay. Um, Again, that was that was the whole match. Like it was Paul Harris, like defending, honestly, impressively defending for as long as he did. He does some. He's like high on the back. He's low on the back. Like he's high up. Like really, if you honestly want to look at like really high level rear naked choke defense, um, this is what it looks like. Again, it looks very similar. To, honestly, a lot of what Rodriguez was doing versus Canaan Duarte, like really similar position with the shoulders and with the hands, not able to get. I mean, Gordon's not able to ever get the choke in really deep ever. He gets over the face like a little bit, but never like, oh, it's close. It's That's the whole match. So Gordon wins a pretty straightforward decision on it and looks good. Anything else you got on the match? That's it. All right, that does it for day two of World Jiu-Jitsu Festival. So under a recap of the Shugio Invitational, Shugio Episode 7, the final episode, we saw Nathan Orchard versus Max, give me his last name. Roshkoff. Dude, for some reason, I keep butchering his last name. Before we started recording, I kept trying to say it, and I was just like, all right, Emil's going to say this name now, as per usual. So these two guys, if you haven't seen Shugio, the entire event is now up. It was released episodically, event by event, uh, week by week. They did a pause. They paused for the final episode because ADCC was going on. They released the final episode. It's 35 minutes long. It has been a trip to watch these guys compete against each other. Nathan Orchard and uh, Max Roshkoff are in the finals, the winners of both sides of the brackets. And uh, what do you think about the match? Yeah, the match is it's great. It's two completely different styles. It's it's a smash mouth wrestler versus a 10th planet, you know, dexterous guy, right? Yeah. Like those are two very disparate styles, and it's awesome to see them play out in a submission-only format with no time limit. Um, so it, what ends up happening is um, it's there's really good back and forth. Oh, yeah. Um, and ultimately, Max begins to go for his A game, which is control and mm-hmm. pressure. That top pressure control we've seen. And we saw him use it in a couple of different matches. That Darcy game was good. He gets on top. He puts really good pressure into you from the top position and looks to start hunting from there. Right. So um, what ended up happening was they were standing and Nathan got a, I think it was an arm and guillotine. And he actually got this really interesting grip that he talks about in the post-fight interview where 
you have to see it. I, it's hard to describe with Emil's the words. In the audio podcast, Emil is waving his hands around in a very it's interesting like, configuration. It's like this weird... Um, it's not a typical gable grip. Um, it's, it's like an inverted gable grip. Basically, you lock your hands over your own... I can't... I can't. See? It's exactly. Watch, it's if you watch, listen to the audio podcast, go look at the YouTube version of the show and look at what Emil is doing with his hands right now. It's a really cool grip. I'm going to start messing around with it. But basically, um, Nathan talks about how the only time he teaches his students to hang on to a uh, guillotine is if they have this kind of entwined uh, gable grip, mm-hmm. we'll call it. And, um, and so he ends up getting that. Max is in this is on top in this uh weird guillotine and nathan is able to roll him from bottom side that's how tight that grip is and um they um they they keep scrambling max gets to a north south position and the 10th planet guys they we've seen this time and time again you can put them into um, Those weird, controlling really, positions like yeah. like you can put them in bottom side you can put them in uh, bottom north south and they have these interesting ways of getting out and so Nathan starts to do that thing where you kick your legs over and take the back from bottom we north saw, south um, I want to say it was it was Meow we saw Meow do this at Grapple Fest 5 versus opponent there I think it was Meow I think we might have all seen Imanari do a variation of this as well like the way they start to like I must I think it was definitely Meow it's big, they hit a reverse triangle off from the same position from the guard like this it's just bottom north south you're just so flexible that you can invert to the point where you take their back and then when he inverts he doesn't fully get the back there but he starts pummeling through for the arm and you see some really camera angles looking directly on the side where Orchard's feet are like pummeling the arm and you see him doing some really interesting pummels on the shoulder and the arm for Max's far side arm yeah. As like a controlling point. It was super nifty to watch. The first like thing that control. The first thing that Nathan does is he snakes his leg across Max's abdomen mm-hmm. to get into that inverted armbar position. Then he starts then Nathan starts attacking the armbar as you would from a um an inverted uh, armbar attack. And Max is doing a great job. You know, he pushes the leg down and staples it to the ground with his knee. And then Nathan pummels through, as Maine yeah. is saying. And he's able to fight off Max's it's far arm. It's a really arm. nifty scene. It's, a, yeah. it's so good. And you look at, like, man, he's really composed. He's like, just in the stack, like, really composed there and still, like, fighting with the legs. It was, like, it's nifty. You don't see a lot of guys that have that level of, like, comfort in that position to have the wherewithal to be fighting, like, the legs and the hands that way. Absolutely. But... Um, you know, at this point, Nathan in, is in his zone. Mm-hmm. He feels totally comfortable here, and he talks about this a little bit in the post-fight interview. And he's able to transition from the arm bar into a tight triangle and gets the tap. Yep. Um, so he is now Shugio's uh, inaugural champion, champion at yeah. 155. So yeah. super exciting! Like that's awesome. A bunch of other guys on the event got paid out for fastest sub. Second place got paid out. Like. Shugio was a really, really fun event. We have been covering it for what two months at this yeah, point, I think so, more than two like months now, because we did previews for it. Like, it was fun. It yeah. was a lot of fun. I really hope that more events run their events like this. I had a great time covering it. It was a really great bracket. The grapplers were good. The interviews were good. The way they set it up was good. The technical stuff that they did with it was good. Like, it was just a really cool, unique event, and I really hope that we see a Shugio 2. Yeah, I think that what I love most about the event is you get to show jujitsu as it is because you can edit down 
an, a 71 minute match yeah. into five minutes, two minutes, yeah. five minutes, and a highlight video of like, hey, here are the pieces you want. And then if you want to see the whole match, it's out on YouTube. Right. Here it is. And all those matches, all the full length matches are up on YouTube for you to watch. So it's like, it gives you the best of both worlds. Um, really great event. Go watch it. It is free on YouTube. There's all, you know, it's always great to see high level free content going up on YouTube for you to watch. Support Shugio. Go and watch it. So how you doing? We got Rob Sullivan here. We're going to talk about uh, Nick Rodriguez versus Pat Downey on who is number one. Rob brought you in because um, I don't know wrestling that well. And uh, you do. You wrestled. You coach wrestling. And you're generally kind of the guy I go to whenever I have sort of wrestling questions. Uh, when this matchup was initially announced, I texted you. I was like, hey, Rob, what do these rules mean? Yeah. So it's basically it was a special freestyle match, and you kind of turned Modif- it best. It was modified freestyle rules. Okay. You- they, they took freestyle rules, and they were like, Okay, how can we do this to make it as even as possible? Yeah, because basically Pat Downey is a very, very good wrestler. We're getting to kind of his credentials and who he is um, because he's trying to set up a match with Gordon Ryan or Gordon Ryan and him are trying to set up a match. We'll talk about that at the end of this segment. Um, Very, very good wrestler. Uh, but about 40 pounds smaller than Nick Rodriguez. So right. they, they changed the rule set up to basically you kind of turned it as a takedown contest is what they made. Yeah, it pretty much that's all it was. Yeah, so uh, the first rule was like four. It was four feet to back. And I was like, what does this mean? And it was four four yeah. points for if you feet go f- to back. Like so if somebody shoots in on a takedown and I drive you off your feet and you go straight to your back, that's four points. As right. opposed to if I shot in, got a single – brought you up, tripped you, you dropped to a knee, your hands hit, and now it's, you know, a two-point takedown. Okay, so it's basically so a different freestyle, scoring. if you hit your back straight off off the mat, go feet, air, ground onto your back, essentially it's four points. Okay. Uh, it's been different things, but... So some other, there were some other rules in this, like it was a one point for a push out. One point, and that's and that's still, that's in freestyle. That's not, that wasn't anything new. Or, okay. Uh, the what push the- out is you get them over the line. Okay, so both feet over the line. Yeah, I saw yeah, that when the match like was sumo. both feet over the the double yeah. white or the big white, the big white line, white yeah. big white line. What was the parterre? Uh, par uh, parterre. 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 Yeah. Parterre. Parterre is the is the um, so in high school wrestling, folk style wrestling. What we do here in the states mostly, collegiate wrestling. You have referees position. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that looks like turtle. Yeah, that you yeah. set up in. So in freestyle and Greco, you have a parterre, and parterre is um, a, after you get take somebody down, you'll notice in freestyle or the international styles, they're not usually immediately trying to get up. They're trying to flatten out and keeps their hips as tight to the mat as possible yeah. as a person tries to turn them and expose their back to the mat. Okay. And however many times you expose them, and there's lots of rulings on like if I went hand-to-hand, meaning if you turned to me, my hand touched the mat, and as I rotate, my other hand touched the mat. That's it's fine. That's less points than if you rolled me flat across my back. Oh, okay. And I went shoulder to shoulder. And I man, I haven't wrestled freestyle in a while, but I I watch it and every year they change the rules. So it's they, okay. they always try to like maybe one country gets all sour about something, and they'll doctor something up and change okay. something. But the so for the most part, they just eliminated that and for good reason. Uh especially since Nikki is coming from a jujitsu world now and his mindset is jujitsu and one of his big strongest traits is his scramble game he's 
he can't scramble. Like he's not going to scramble in that situation. Right. If he's freestyle, he's going to expose his back every time he does something. Okay. So he's going to constantly just rack up score while trying to get in on a leg. Or so basically they tried to make a rule set that made sense for both guys' strengths yeah. that would potentially potentially create a more even matchup between the two guys. Yeah. And that's it's what about this was. about as even as you could make it. So – Let's let's talk about first. What was the event? What was this? I know they kind of tacked the super fight onto this event. The These end. guys got announced on right. Thursday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. And funny enough, Pat Downey, PD three, I'll call him PD three. Uh, Pat Downey the third right. uh, versus Nick Rodriguez, and they found out they trained together at yeah. uh, RJ NJRTC, yeah. New Jersey Regional Training Center, which is like uh, right. Olympic sort of high level preparatory. Oh, it's, it's a preparatory. So what was it? Is that uh, that was Stanford and Rutgers. I think. Was it Stanford? No, it was Princeton. Princeton and Rutgers. Stan- Stanford, Connecticut. Man, yeah. it's all those, <laughs> Princeton, it's like those, those Prin- athletic colleges. Princeton, Princeton and Rutgers, uh, it's they it's training center there, but it's it's a local to that area uh, wrestling club. It's a USA wrestling club. Okay. And, and, and a lot of teams can, or a lot of places can be USA wrestling uh, clubs. They're all over the place, but they are one of the more notable ones they have you know you've got all the kids coming out of there from all the different high schools in that area and then you have two big division one teams that are bringing their guys in there okay uh that makes more sense right. okay so you're yeah. you're, a, you're a pretty decent so size you, good high level wrestling yeah, room. yeah if you're working in that room you're getting work like okay. you're, you're you're definitely you got some you got some hammers that you got to okay. deal with every day. So these guys yeah. train together. On a Thursday afternoon, we yeah. found out that they were matched up, and they produced a really funny right. like video between the two of them. And I was like, these guys train together and are about to go to Wisconsin or yeah. Iowa yeah. and Iowa. fight each other. Hawkeyes Arena. So in, what is this event? We are number one. What uh, is that? We are number one. Is They've been doing this. It hasn't been. Flow Flo has started this, and it's what it is. They bring together all the high school number one ranked kids around the country, number one, number two, number one, number one, depending on you know weights, whatever. They make matchups around them for folk style and freestyle. Okay. I mean, I watched I watched the majority of it. I was at a bull roast for my sports booster of the high school I coach at, but I was watching it, pissing everybody off. I was like staring at my phone watching this thing. And uh, most of the matches were either freestyle or folk style. Yeah. And, um, so you basically know, to determine the best, who the, best the number the best one is in high at school. that yeah. weight class yeah. for high school. Yeah. Okay, and, cool. um, All over the country. And you had, you know, that was high, that was high level wrestling at the high school. I mean, okay. we were talking the best of the best of the best. Okay. Yeah, because it was cool. Like, it, they announced, guys, I'm just less yeah. familiar. I am less familiar with wrestling and everyone else in the grappling right is. So we brought you in right. because you are more familiar yeah. with wrestling. So There's people uh, better than me. So thank you for having me on here. To have yeah, to Rob, do my homework. You, talk, you talk good, Rob. Yeah, That's I why I like good, you. Yeah. Um, and you teach me wrestling, so it's yeah. like I'm, I got to buy it. Any question I don't, I can't answer, I text Ryan Mackin and ask him. So, so oh, let's go on first. Before we talk about the matchup, who is Pat Downey? Like, let's give some context. So he's because, a Marylander. Yeah, he's, he's a Baltimore guy. He's everything. He's every. He embodies Baltimore. He's got a natty bow tattoo I don't, on okay, his shoulder. I will say this: I do not know Pat personally. I know a lot of people who know Pat personally. Uh, I've I've been in the same room as Pat as a coach uh, when he was a wrestler, but I. I don't know him like so I'm not so I'm not going to perpetrate his name or act like I do uh, he was a state champ at Lock Raven and then he was in private school um, what was he there I know the Lock Raven one because I coach public school but he was I'm going to read this I don't really care if anyone's judging me on that uh, but he was three sport athlete very good you know um, Place to national preps to put this in perspective. That's big. Just to place to national preps is huge for okay. a high schooler. Um, very, very you know, good wrestler. Private school state champ. Like he was, 
Yeah, he was he was fucking good. Like okay. at the end of the day, he was he was good. And then you go on to college, and you're a Big Twelve, um, a Big Twelve, a third of Big Twelve. Again, I'm reading this just so everybody knows because I'm not going to remember all this stuff. Um, and you know, he he did a lot, and he moved schools and jumped around a bit. We don't need to talk about that um, again. I don't want to get a bunch of facts wrong, but last year, the big one, or this year, earlier this year, uh, he you know final X champ, which puts him in the running for the world team. So okay. Now, he made so the world team, didn't he? He made the world team. By winning okay. 5X, makes the world team. So he made the world team at under 86 kilograms right. for yep. wrestling, for freestyle wrestling. So he is going to the Olympics, or what's the deal with that? So he still has to go through world team trials. Okay. Uh, he'll still but he's in those trials. So basically, he's in he it. potentially is he's one or two it. matches away. We'll, we'll, he's like number. He's ranked number one number right now. Number one. I think he's David oh. Taylor was injured at Final X and wasn't able to wrestle Downey when they went for the world when they went for the world team trials. Okay, earlier later they should have wrestled, but he was injured so he couldn't wrestle. Okay, so, so technically down, it's Downey, David Taylor, and Nicholas Helfer. Yeah, yeah. So the, okay. so there and and maybe someone else qualifies. I don't remember how that one's going to work, but he uh, they'll still have world team trials, which is another mini tournament to decide who's going to be on the Olympic team. But okay. Pat re- represented, you know, less than a month ago. Was it less than a month ago? Yeah, in Kazakhstan. Yeah, Kazakhstan. Yeah. That um, he represented the U.S. at was it 85, 86. 86 kilograms under eighty six kilograms. Yeah, under okay. eighty six. And he, uh, I mean, he went two and one. I remember watching that. I mean, he was he did great against guys that nobody gave him a chance against. And it's so like, we're talking about. So Pat Downey is a very very good yep. international level yep. good freestyle wrestler. Okay. Like he is. So I want I want to provide context yeah. of like because I look this whole week has been like yeah. who is Pat Downey for me? Basically on Thursday onward from this matchup got announced, I was like Rob, who is this guy and yeah. how big of a deal is this? You're like yeah, he's yeah. a very 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 good wrestler. So yeah. a guy Olympic hopeful. Very soon we'll figure out if he has actually made the Olympic team for the Amer- for United States versus Nick Rodriguez. So we've gone through what is number one or what is who is number one. Uh, let's talk about the match itself. Yeah, yeah. I've, I uh. I was, I was excited watching it. Um, to put this in perspective, me and another assistant coach, one of my training partners as well, uh, we were like hug, huddled, huddled around my phone in a corner watching it as my phone was dying and I had to find a plug. And uh, it, from a technical standpoint, it well from okay from the standpoint of he won, he did what. I figured he'd do and teched him. I figured he would yeah. tech fall him. So Pat Downey beats Nick Rodriguez 12, 12 to zero. zero. And yeah. in wrestling for freestyle wrestling, it's, it's a tech fall is 12 yeah, points. 12 points. Right. 12, 12 point difference. So he teched him. Uh, he came out I super aggressively. Yeah. He like, started going real hard. And, and the big thing about that is you're going to, you're going to make a person make mistakes and you're going to also push him out. And that's what he was doing. Right. He was racking I think up the push first out two pushouts were in the first like yeah. minute. And then he blasted in and Nick tried to roll him through off of the takedown and he stuck himself straight to his back. So there you have four. So now you're talking whatever that was. That was a five. I remember that one specifically. That was five zero at that point. He got back up. He had another push out. Now we're talking six zero. Right. And Pat went really aggressive for that first, maybe a little less than 90 seconds because it yeah. was two, three minute rounds. And he was, he was going. But that forty pound weight difference. We saw Rodriguez start to like lean start, on him a yeah, little bit. Yeah, he started like putting his weight on him. You can see Pat bit. was like, "Okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to keep doing that." And he eventually, I can't remember exactly how he if he hit a duck under. I think he hit a, a nice little duck under, 
But I know he got his back and suplexed him. That's how he, he hit the tech going out of bounds. That was the final tech at the end of the second that's, period. Yeah, that's how he, the final takedown. He had a couple more pushouts here and there. But he, he, I mean, for the most part, he out he out footworked uh, Rodriguez in the clinch. Um, There's a lot of hanging on to each other, which I think had a lot to do with, with Nick trying to put his weight on him. Yeah, and, and kind of lean more. I mean, that, Pat that's just a, being able to out footwork. That's a, a strategy we saw really Nick yeah. be really successful yes. with in so, ADCC. Yeah. We, you had some thoughts. Let's, say, let's, guys, thoughts let's go into that. that. So let's talk about – you had some thoughts about Nick Rodriguez's yeah, performance yeah. at ADCC. Well, let me finish with the Pat thing. Okay. I think Pat did the best job he was going to do against someone 40 pounds heavier than him, dragging his weight on him. With Nick does have a rest, and, and wrestling experience. Ba- yeah. Not at the same yeah. level that Pat has, level. but still like a yeah. larger, and they you know, know each fairly other competent wrestler. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in, they train together, so he knows what to do, and they're, they're being playful about it too. There's like – Pat's coming in super aggressive because he's trying to prove something as well. And uh, yeah, no, it was a fun match. Uh, I think everyone got what they paid for in that one, and nobody could expect it. Nobody, I don't think there's any surprises, no. uh, especially when you add in that 40 pound weight difference. It's not like you expect Pat to just hit like a takedown clinic on a guy that much bigger than you. Because to put it in perspective, like there's a reason for weight classes in wrestling. In jujitsu, a person can go to their back and suddenly they become small. Suddenly they don't they don't feel as heavy when you're on top of them and you can base heavy in pressure. But when you're trying to get somebody down who's forty pounds fucking heavier than you, it's like running into a wall. So yeah. like most of my injuries have happened because I try to wrestle someone who's got thirty plus pounds on me and I'm I'm running into them with my neck from coming off to the side right. somewhere. So wrestling like the weight classes play a huge, huge but you don't see huge. absolutes in wrestling. You can, yeah, that's would, not a thing. It would be horrible. Right. It would be I would never want to watch that. Right, but it's not it's not a thing wrestling. Just yeah, like absolutes thing. opens are yeah. really common. Yeah, because and like, game, even in game judo, plays like into it's it uncommon. So, yeah, uh, yeah, in judo it's the same thing. Right, it's uncommon. It's all leverage and and like a big guy grabs me, even if he doesn't have good technique. If I'm in a gi and like we're going, you know, grip for grip, that dude's gonna throw me through the fucking wall. If he's right. heavier than me, he might even throw me if he's smaller than me. But either way, he's gonna toss my ass if he's bigger than me. Right. So the Rodriguez uh, thing. So so back in so you got any, anything else to add on the Pat Downey versus Rodriguez match at nah, who's number one? No, nah, it was it was what I expected. Uh, especially I didn't even realize their weight difference was that large. I think it was thirty. So, I think it was forty. Because really, Pat carries his weight pretty well. Uh, as as does Nick. Like Nick doesn't. He looks obviously they're both big fucking guys. Yeah. But Pat's a brawl dude. You can. You oh yeah. Can never, it's always hard to tell how heavy somebody is when they're stocky like that. And I was like, maybe they're close. And then I heard forty. I was like, oh, yeah. I told you. I was like, it's about forty pounds. You we were like, that. oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew this. I heard the other day he was heavier by like thirty. I didn't. I didn't hear it was forty. But I, I thought it was forty. I thought yeah. and he's eighty six. Which it doesn't is, fucking matter. It's heavy. Yeah. Like, it's big. Uh, it makes a big difference, especially when they're taller than you and heavier. Yeah. That's, which Rodriguez that's a, is. Yeah. That's heavy. So about that. So, Rodriguez. so about ADCC and Rodriguez. So the big thing, and I've been I've been prepped. I would like to know, like everyone to know, I've been prepped on how I'm allowed to talk about. This. <laughs> I was like, Rob, don't yeah. be disparaging okay. as you talk about yeah. stances in yeah. ADCC. So, in in jujitsu, the stance isn't always as important, especially when someone is going to pull guard and or um, they're larger. So something I've always noticed, I've noticed the smaller guys concern themselves a little bit more with stance in the same way a wrestler does the elbow you know i can reach and touch the floor because i can quickly pull guard or i can quickly shoot and i'm constantly battling between are they going to go after my neck or do i shoot and score my two there's a little bit more of a battle there on the lighter weights in jujitsu in jujitsu yeah so stance becomes more important um the you know guys get smaller 
because then you they can shoot on the legs or they can just sit guard real quick. Pull, pull you can go out, underneath the guy go more, more effectively. Guy. You can do something there. Bigger guys don't rely on that so much, and especially specifically in nogi, the game from what from you know everything ADCC tends to be top pressure. They want yeah. to be on top. I mean, they're they're That's giving the they're giving specific. the guy on top the decision yeah. more so than more not. So it, it play, and so it yeah, pays ADCC to be on top. Rules are favor you it's a, getting that it's take submission down. wrestling yeah. they are looking for you yeah. to wrestle they want and then to get shoot. to a submission so when you're a bigger guy the you're used to snapping somebody down doing a lot of things from the clinch the problem is the majority of guys rodriguez faced stood they they kept their weight over their toes is what it was whether that's their game plan usually to hang out in the clinch but they i don't think they were ready for the power that rodriguez had in the snap and what I mean is a snap down. And we watched it. Uh, I was talking about this was second match where he or Sanchez. Pre- we Sanchez. drove him down real quick. And it was like I saw a bunch of gifts of this. And it really had to do with he leaned his weight forward. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is when I feel somebody put their weight into me, leaning on me, it's like you're going to snap them. What's you're up, gonna, Rob? Yeah. I've, yeah, yeah. I've done it many times. I've, you hit, I've hit my face on I the watch, mat I, a multitude of times. It's my favorite thing to feel. Because if you're, if you're a guy that doesn't want to shoot, you just want to snap people down, that's what you want. You want – Body weight leaning over their own toes onto you, putting their hands on you. And it just makes that snap down come real quick. And Rodriguez took took advantage of that. He the fact is guys were guys were used to being able to clinch and either pull or just get kind of just be able to get a sloppy takedown to a what it, what it usually looks like. Yeah. I mean, again, sorry the, everyone if you're offended. Well, the uh, level, the level, the level of different. like takedown right. game, like anyone who thinks it's different. And Rodriguez is, is all American, right? I'm right in saying I that. I think so. I'm almost positive. Yeah, I think he's he was all American. Yeah. So you're you're still talking about extremely high level wrestling. Yeah. I mean, he was D three, yeah. but like did well. Like, yeah. He is no slouch in yeah. wrestling. That's why he's a good that's why, wrestler. That's why we even entertained this room. matchup. Like he's yeah. in a deep room and he's and wrestling with actual wrestlers. Right. He's one of the few jitsu guys yeah, yeah. that spends like a good amount of his time I'm wrestling, actually wrestling. Right. And I, I have a res- I have a huge respect for that. And and the Danaher guys have a also the Danaher guys are. Oh, heavy on the head. Like they want that neck. They yeah. want the head. They're they're going legs or they're going head. That's like that's their whole game. Yeah. And it's not um, a whole lot of arm locks. Yeah. They want those two things. Mm-hmm. Like they're either going after your head and that takes snaps and, and making people force people to make bad shots. Snap downs work when someone has a bad shot. Right. Um, which you just see you see You see a lot pretty, of you see a lot, a lot of, of I mean I've made my whole game off of dragging people into front headlocks and it's because the weight comes over the toes and it's like, whoop, cool, I'm gonna bring you down. Um and that was happening for him. It was all day. It was like given to him. And right. uh, you know, it when it didn't work, he was able to just stay heavy pressure on top of somebody who tried to pull guard out of those positions. Right. So, I mean, that snap down was uh, that that's key. And when a person is just leaning their weight on you, so that's all I got. You anything yeah. more for ADCC? No, no that was mouth the here? big one. I, so let's uh, talk about oh, the next. I, thing. Got, I do have one more thing. Okay, this is just so the day after I was real. I was like hyped up watching. watching Everyone was hyped up, dude. Watch. Lachlan Giles awesome. ran through three oh, big yeah. dudes. It was I a was, great uh, event. I was I was hyped up watching one. I, I, I of course I want to see the wrestler dominate, but you know I'm watching some of the guys I really like lose to. Um, but the the big one like uh, the big match that I saw an obvious, um, really obvious problem was like with tonin and jt torres uh i love gary tonin he's hilarious uh i get a little fanboy about him but torres man whew, there was this huge difference and it came down to stance and i said it in my class the next night torres never broke stance they went out of bounds they reset 
And Tonin, who's been training for MMA, you could see that he was shaking it off. Like he was like coming back in. He was like getting himself back into his own or getting taking that big deep breath. Yeah. And JT Torres, man, that that motherfucker never stood up straight. He stayed ready to go the whole time. And I this is something you tell every wrestler. It's like you gotta be ready to go. Like if you if your match is six minutes long, you better be ready to go twenty in that stance. You better be able to have your knees bent and bent down and that chest over your thigh and be able to touch the floor and you stay there. Um, and if anyone who watched who's not, who's number one who chimed in to see that or you know uh, p- popped in there to see it, is there a bug in here? A giant, giant oh, like okay. flycatcher. So uh, you saw guys and ne- you never break a stance. No, and, uh, and you you don't come up out of that stance. Your heads, you're always in the right position, and uh, and it's showing at ADCC that shit matters, especially yeah. at this again that at the, low, at the lower rate seventy seven. Those dudes, right. like that was there was there was good solid wrestling in those matches, and it was won by the guy who never really broke stance. Yeah, he's getting behind everybody. Uh, whether he was finishing or not, he was still wrestling that yeah. from the field. He took Jackson down. Yeah. Like yeah. JT Doris is is, a, is no a, slouch yeah. in jiu-jitsu wrestling. And Jackson's a guy that like he blasts in on you. It's like you're probably going to your back. So, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the matchup that kind of got yeah. it. not not announced, but like they're yeah. they're pushing. So we've been pushing. Flo's been pushing it a lot recently. Yeah. They're trying to push Yuri versus Snyder, which uh-huh. really no one could ever get behind because there's a pretty big differential in skill right. there yeah. in the wrestling. Just like everyone knows what this is. But Gordon Ryan and Pat Downey are now going back and forth yeah. for uh, a hybrid jujitsu wrestling match. Uh-huh. And um, you want to read through it, Rob? Want me to read through it? You can read through it. So Gordon Ryan posted basically thoughts on the rule set for Pat Downey in a freestyle match. It's going to be non-competitive. In a submission grappling match, it would be non-competitive. So Those are both true. So here's my idea: we grapple for 15 minutes. This is Gordon Ryan saying this, by the way, right. under straight ADCC scoring. If you don't know ADCC scoring, listen to our episode a couple days ago when we broke through exactly what ADCC scoring is. If you take someone down and hold their back to the floor for three seconds, it's one point. Turtle, referee, or four point is no score. Taking the back with two hooks or the body triangle for three seconds is one point. Submitting your opponent is one point. No guard pulling, obviously. You can score one point at a time. The person with the most points at the end of time wins. And down he went, time and location. Yeah. Okay, so I... I saw I saw the video for when he's calling uh, um, Gordon out. This is the first I've seen of this, and this I I think all this is actually awesome. I think this would be really interesting. The big hang up on this is that there's submissions at all. Um, my two questions would be: one is Downey gonna wear shoes? That would be a legitimate concern of mine. With the heel I, hooks, if there. I'm him. I'm like I'm not. I don't want to wear shoes. I want to be sweaty as shit. Right. Um, the submission factor, this that could make my my worry with that would be is like how injured can like is how fast can yeah, Gordon how, put a how sub quickly, on how quickly yeah. can Gordon hurt him and then you've got an injured person fighting back right. through a whole match. The pad not going to quit. This, he's not going to quit. No, he's not going to quit. He's good. And how quickly does he tap? And then is he yeah. tapping so quick that he figures it can, he can? I, I, the game plan of this could be really interesting. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like okay, I can do you take outscore you down him enough? Yeah, or as soon as you get mad, I tap and then yeah, we exactly. go up again. And can I yeah. keep scoring? Can I enough? keep scoring? Yeah. Can I outscore? Can I out take? Can I take you down faster than you can submit me? And can I rack up more more takedown points? Because to be honest, in fifteen minutes, maybe Gordon gets him down. I kind of feel like he actually doesn't. Probably like, not. 
I don't think no. he does. So, no. so, and he, you, it's, it's, so it's, it's all relies on amazing. He's double yeah. gold ADCC, yeah. but he is not, not a, a world team. No. AD, he's not a world team no. Olympic class wrestler. Now, like their difference. How is much taller is uh, Gordon from from Pat? Mm, I don't know how tall Gordon is offhand because he's pretty tall. Yeah, I, mean, I met him once, and I've 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 only ever seen Pat like. You know, I wasn't standing in a stone. wrestling stance. Yeah, in a room. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure Gordon's taller than him. I think so. Probably I he's longer, see, definitely. I could see Gordon. The biggest problem Downey would have in that match is like blasting in and leaving his neck exposed. Now, he's yeah. got a great blast double. He can bury his head in the chest and run you over. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to hit the mat. Well, Pat Downey is like his mat wrestling is really where he shines yeah. more than anything. Like, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. really I, good I, mat Honestly, I think, I think he could. Just keep racking up points and like keep him pinned and then just cut out. And then the potentially problem, Gordon gets him down. The biggest but he's problem only racking is, up one point per sub right, too, the other thing. Sub. So it's like it's you can only score one point right. at a time. So it's I don't know. It's potentially interesting. I I don't personally want to see a ton more like wrestling versus jujitsu because it's not the nineties. Yeah. And we kinda like it's whatever rule set is easiest to so, score the points so is the I, guy. I'm saying win. hypothetically, like all the all the craziness that could happen in this. I think Pat can pin him down and keep him there for a fair amount of time. But at some point, he gets free. At some point... Um, but what happens if, what happens if one of them gets the other one's back and they just dog him out? Like, they just hold on. I assume there's going to be some more, yeah. there's gonna be some more like yeah. rules like, added. Like, yeah, more, I th- more than four minutes really of back control. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting. Know. It's uh, interesting. It, I, I, think it's, I think it's cool. I, get, I don't want to poo-poo it too much yeah. until we've seen it. Yeah. But it's just like... We I've seen enough matchups between right. like this guy and this guy yeah. where it's like style versus style where yeah. it's like it's all about the rules like can you do this can you do yeah. this it's like that's how it plays out so I mean it, there's a reason why judo doesn't have shouts on the legs because right. Russell showed up there's a reason why because Georgians do because this. of Georgians yeah. we can say because of Georgians you, you can't there's a reason for a lot of things and it, it's always because somebody else gets bummed out because their team lost uh, it's the reason why you. you there's this in freestyle. There's this in Greco. There's always reasons for all this shit. Right. Uh, and it's usually because someone got hurt. And yeah. I mean, like, their feelings got hurt. Like, their whole country got upset. And it's usually, I mean, it can be the U.S., but a lot of times it's like Iran or Russia. But uh, a lot of times rules happen because this went down and everyone went, holy shit, we can't keep having that happen. Right. But. With these things, they're niche. It's fun. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's interesting. I do. I do like one thing. The argument of jujitsu versus wrestling has always been stupid to me. It can be the yeah. same. I. I think if you're if you're trying to do Brazilian jujitsu and and you're neglecting the takedown, you're um. You are subpar. I think like you're mm-hmm. leaving something out. Yeah. You're, because, lim- you're super limited in, well, in a skill set. All the time, people ask me, you know, well, what would you, for self-defense, would you teach, teach a girl? And uh, this is like this argument I've had, and you'll probably get hate for it. Like, you won't. Everyone will be like, don't have a back one. Fuck that dude. But uh, I always look at it like this. I would rather have the ability to not be taken down than to have to fight off my back. Uh, I, I think don't, that's reasonable. I don't want to be taken down. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Like, that. that's that. Not everyone who does jiu-jitsu has that ability. Right. And- not everybody who does who has wrestling is good enough to stop a takedown or knows what to do when they get their back. I happen to have many statistics telling me 
I'm really fucking hard to get to, to get down. Yeah, Josh, I've seen like, you fight, uh, Rob, yeah, Josh. Yeah, I've seen Josh, you fight I'm professionally, yeah. professionally, numerous times, yeah. Rob. You're very hard to take down. Uh, and so I'm I'm happy with that that skill set in my life. I've I've worked very hard to have it. But when it comes to uh to like the jujitsu mindset that we have to fight off our back, I think it's pretty flawed. But this makes it interesting. Um, the problem is in the same way. I, I think if you if you're talking about self defense, if you don't know how to defend yourself from somebody off their back, you have an even bigger problem. <laughs> like right. like if that's not a thing to you, like if all you can do is kind of run away from them, then that's an even bigger issue. Yeah, I cite Ryan Hall and Gray Maynard. Like if you're scared of the guy saying come to my guard, then you have a bigger issue. Right. Uh, but you know it's Ryan Hall. But um. Yeah, that's kind of like a test case for this, that. Yeah, it's, it's, that's it's not really it's like that's maybe a bad argument. It's, think a, of, think ba- of like it's a, a bad more... argument, but but it is a high level wrestler versus a guy who's going to play off his back, right? And you need to crush him, and you don't want to do it. I mean, that's neither here nor there. That's but, MMA. We don't we right. do MMA on the show. Yeah, we're not going out of that. Uh, so you, you're, so you're interested in it? Could be fun. Bro. I think, it could I think be I'll really definitely fun. have I, you I on agree again with you, though, if this happens. I agree with you though. I don't need to see a lot of these. No, because I the okay. So you're talking the king of the fucking world. For jujitsu yeah. and and uh, you know uh, Gordon Ryan, so if you're is Pat his equal wrestling wise? He's really not. He's not like kind of Jaden Cox's or or like a, a Kyle Dake. And I'm not discrediting Pat. I'm just saying that you're talking. Those about, guys have been there. They are. You're talking. Well, one. Uh, you have two two time world champions, right? <laughs> Olympians, like that's a higher higher level, and the and and in some ways the equal to the ADC champion to the world yeah. champion jiu jitsu. It's really not though because the water is so much deeper in wrestling yeah. and battle tested and like what you did to get there was such a different world, yeah, different um, path. They're different sports in different lifestyles. But it would be, but it would be interesting to see sport. those things happen, too. I would love to see that. I think this would be really funny. Uh, I don't know what that weight difference is. What is – I mean, what is – because Gordon's is open. Two, the, 205, 220. 205, 220. Gordon Ryan, 225, depending on, like, so what they could, he is. So they, I don't know. Sorry. He's, I think he's, like, 205. I think so. They could only be like a fifteen pound difference, something like that. They could meet at like. Oh, watch me super wrong about his weight class. Yeah, who I think knows? he's he was he's under open. ninety. He was under ninety nine kilograms, so right. he was under, and he was four pounds under, under ninety nine because he got food poisoning, ADCC. <laughs> okay, so, so they, whatever weight that they was. could potentially be under twenty pound difference. Yeah, like it wouldn't be the same as Rodriguez, which uh, Rodriguez probably isn't that heavy when he's competing either. I'm sure a week <laughs> off. He's about two thirty. Is he? Is he? Okay. He's, he's he's a, I mean, he's a I'm, weak I'm a, of man. I came you, up to his you pack. blow up quick when you don't have to do shit. So. I, I came up to his pack. Yeah. He's a yeah. large man. Okay, he's so big. okay. So could be a lot of fun. Rob, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, as no always, bring you on whenever we bring wrestling stuff. Yeah. Appreciate it as always. Thanks no a lot. So moving on to our brief recap of Battle Grapple Six, uh, we actually didn't get a chance to cover this event fully. Um, the Grappling Insider has some great information on it on their website with results and a write up. Um, and yeah, shout out to them. Yeah, dude, they put up they put up some great stuff, and uh, so they have they're honestly a big place that we turn to a lot of times for event results. Um, for event results, it was Team UK versus the World. Team UK gets it done with um, Martin. Christina Martin versus Rose O'Sharon getting it done via knee bar. That was the victory. All the other matches on Team UK versus the World were ended up being draws. Um, in and that's really 
That's for that event. You can watch the event on pay-per-view. The prelims were actually streamed on Facebook, and looks like a really cool setup for that event. Uh, that's all I got for that one. Yeah. So in other news, we have uh, in the preview section for next week, we have Nick Rodriguez versus Joe Dinkerslit. Yep. I think is the gentleman's last name. This is in Forged and Fire. I don't have a ton of information about the promotion. There are some other super fights happening as well. They seem to be Texas-based. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really get a whole lot of information about the promotion, but that is happening next week. And then uh, it's a really quiet week next week. A lot of previews next week. Yeah, there was going to be a uh, fight to win it in Baltimore, but the no-sleep team... No sleep needed some. Uh, yeah, needed some sleep. That would be. I think it's probably. the only event we've ever seen, at least that I recall, fight to win canceling and not replacing or moving. Yeah. I know they've done it for totally some other understandable. events. I mean, like ADCC was just such a spectacular event, and the all of when you saw all of the moving parts that were required for that, you know, it's it absolutely makes Dude, sense. Dude, for how tired you and I were. I can't with, imagine like, what they're... not being part of the event, yeah. just like going there and covering it and doing interviews and doing podcasts, like just for our piece that we did for the grappling rewind and like how tired I was. Literally, I slept 11 and a half hours on Tuesday. I'm you're still sick. You're still sick. Yeah, like it, it was amazing. It was absolutely worth everything. But yeah, they... They deserve... needs a, a week well, off. Well, they didn't... They had yeah. a week off. They had a week off in three weeks, yeah. basically. So like... Yeah. yeah, that event. So we have uh, quite a week next week. We still have some great previews. It'll honestly give us a chance to do some more in-depth previews on stuff, which I'm happy about. Usually we are just doing the recaps, so we'll do some more in-depth previews. I'll actually probably talk about some of the matchups in a little more depth, like, hey, this guy brings this yep. to the table. So it'll be kind of, you know, some different stuff for us next week. Again, uh, we have a bunch of stuff coming out on YouTube still this coming week. Um, we have, you know, some cool content in the works for you. Uh, so find us out on YouTube because it's all going to be posted there for the most part. A lot of the video stuff we're doing. Absolutely. So uh, what's your week look like? My, you're out. You're out next week, right? Yes, I'm out next week. I'm going to be in in Chicago. I'll Sweet. be chilling with Viana. That'd be um, awesome. Got any fun plans out there, or just out there? I have no idea. I'm going to let them figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'll be it'll be good to to hang with them. Um, yeah. Other than that, I'm just going to try to recoup. You know. Yeah, dude, you know, we both need. We need. Some team, some sleep. I, I'm and you know I'm also going to be um, writing up my kind of thoughts on the stories that came out of ADCC. That I you think, sent me some cool drafts there from like some concepts, and I'm like super excited what you produce. Yeah, I'm always because, a big fan of like reading the stuff when we proof it that you produce because you produce some really cool written pieces. You know what it is is like um, it's basically the stories that came out of ADCC are so fascinating so incredible so captivating and compelling that i think people who don't know anything about jujitsu will still find them interesting i was basically texting friends of mine that don't know anything about jujitsu about like all the crazy things that happen like lachlan giles run i feel like adcc at the spectacle and the level it is now has the potential to really bring new people into the sport exactly into the professional yes. sport into like fans of like watching high level jiu-jitsu like this event elevated the platform for what a professional jiu-jitsu event I, I we've talked about it i think everyone said it that was the greatest professional jiu-jitsu event that has ever been done yeah both from a from the matches themselves to the crowd energy to the production to the production to the stories that came out of it and again like even to the broadcast like we didn't really see much of the broadcast i've caught some of the matches after the fact that i wanted to watch again but like all the matches were broadcast with commentary there were brackets up you can go watch the brackets you can look and click on each match from the the fact that you have a commentary team that's so stacked that you can have braulio estima and um 
Robert Drysdale. Drysdale doing just a Portuguese broadcast shows you how incredible of an event it was. It was just so good. And like, again, like the stories that you come out of it, you have Lachlan Giles' insane run where he topples three fucking colossal competitors including Gordon Ryan's double gold and then him going to fight Andre if he wants to fight in two years and also wants to defend both his weight class and do the athlete. you have Fionn Davies breaking Bia Mesquita's arm and, and then getting taken out in the next round having her own foot broken like you have Kennedy Maciel, you know, stepping in for his father, taking on his father's mantle. You have Tanquino at sixth ADCC, getting yeah. his first championship. The guy who knocked Cobrinha out in the 2013 IBJJF run, and right. Kennedy gets to face him in the finals after come from behind wins. In he has two, two or three matches. He has two come from behind wins that both end with him submitting the opponent. Right. It's fucking. Like the stories are not so... to mention Gary Tonin coming back from grappling, yeah, to grappling after two years of being in MMA, late replacement, having Tyra Tolo, yeah, having Go- Gary Tonin having the fastest submission win in the tournament in the absolute bracket, and then having to face his fucking protege Gordon Ryan, who and 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 you know Gordon having to submit his fucking coach right. in absolute. Like, and Tana Blast walking on to coach Gary while Donaher was coaching Gordon. Yeah. Like, there's the so many. Nikki so Ryan good. upsetting Shane Mill Hill Taylor, the former YBJJF world champion. There like, was just so many stories, and like the stories are you don't need to know about grappling to hear about these narratives that are straight up out of movies. Like the movie mm-hmm. Creed is basically what Kennedy did with Tankino. Oh, by the way, props to you for Craig Jones versus Mateus Denis. Oh, yeah. For calling yeah. that. Well, no, no. I'll I, say, I, I, have listened, I have listened to like six or eight different ADCC recap podcasts because that's what I do for my week is just listen to Jiu-Jitsu podcasts. And I listened to like the pre, pre-shows that all they all did. And like, I don't know of any show that talked about like how close and how contested and how how Mateus's path to victory was there like you did. So props to you for calling that one correctly. Well, that yeah, was, yeah. But you did a good job on that one. Mateus is Mateus is smothering and like he, yeah, but like I don't, he will but, dictate. But very few other people that are like analysts like you are called that. And went through by the numbers and like look, this is where he's going to give him problems, and this is why I think he takes the division. Well, and you're there's right. Also, times where it didn't come out right. Like so, I mean, Paulo Miao versus Johnny Greepo. Johnny Greepo gets knocked out. The first match, we got some Paulo picks Miao wrong. Gets we got the squashed j- by Tankino, yep. who I said had lost stuff and I was fucking wrong. I'm, yeah. I will own that. Tankinho is looking better than ever. I mean, yeah, let's talk about what we got correct. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I want to own it. I'm you saying know, like, I'm going to own, I called JT correctly. I oh, called yeah. Gordon you, Ryan you, correctly. You got JT. Uh, I did not pick Lachlan Giles <laughs> to uh, place third at the absolute. That was not in my cards. No, um, I don't think anyone saw that. We picked Gaval correctly. Although, versus actually, Tana. I take that back. Josh, <coughs> Josh. And I think you two had talked about Lachlan Giles and you, at least within his division, you thought Lachlan was going to be, uh, going on a deep run. Yeah. Um, but I was wrong. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. Hey, going on a deep run in the absolute. You know what? I want to, I, w- I want to talk about, yeah, I'm glad that you brought this up because, you know, for example, we didn't, s- I did, I did not see Lucas Lepre getting knocked out by Dante Leon. And no. So what I want to talk about are, are ex- the fighters that we love to see that put on great shows at ADCC and that, 
people should watch that aren't necessarily champions, you know, yet in any given okay. point, right? So, so Don- the guys that are like on the level to get into ADCC, but necessarily didn't have a maybe a great or deep run or like didn't medal at ADCC that you should definitely or watch. Or some it. of them did medal, but some of them yeah. didn't. But like Dante Leon is a great example. Dante Leon, we talked about how exciting of a fighter he is. Oh, yeah. How dynamic he is, how great he is in, in all of these regions. He, he fucking took Lucas Lepre's back. Okay, he he knocks Lucas Lepree out of the tournament, who I had probably winning that division, if not at least going into the finals. Yeah, uh, he had an insane match with Wagner Hosha mm-hmm. uh, that could have gone either way. It went to Wagner. Let's talk about Wagner. Wagner's another person who you know hasn't won an IBJJF championship at black belt. Hasn't won a uh, a um, has not. Are we sure about that? I'll double check that. But okay, I'm, I'm fairly certain he hasn't. Um, we'll continue. If but, you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, ADCC, he hasn't won yet. But you have to turn into a Wagner match. You have to tune in. Oh, my God. You have to watch it. He's so fucking good. He's so exciting. He can obviously hang and threaten all of the hang with and threaten all of these top level guys Wagner too. He can is beat a top level anyone guy. on the day. Yeah. On, like anyone. that dude is so good. He's so good. He beat he do he beat Tanquinho in fight to win, right? right? Like he is And at then you that have level. and you have JT comes yeah. on, beats guys, we're gonna see JT on fight to well, win matches. Okay. JT's a champ. I wanna shout out Okay, okay, I, I get out. what you're going. I, I was just showing guys to... I'm super impressed with, which is like yeah. everyone on ADCC. Right. You know, um, I'm trying to think of the other standouts. We yeah, had Keith fighting Bouchesha. Yeah, I want to talk about how crazy that is. I keep on. I want to do an interview with Keith because I want to talk about. Hey, Keith, what was your? What was that like? Like all of a sudden, you're in your room watching SpongeBob, and you're like, you're fighting Bouchesha, and you're like, okay. Like I want to, he- I want to talk to him about like what that was like. I mean, you and I think was it Ryan talking about Lachlan Giles, his insane run at Kinetic. Yeah, and you guys called it like i i i hadn't paid attention to lachlan giles i'll admit that i am obviously a huge fan of him now um you know that those kinds of people that we see fion davies who um you know knocked out be a mosquito again i don't think she has won the championship yet she won everything but, but worlds exactly and she got foot locked at worlds right and that was it but i think she's and again you everyone in who follows the female side of the sport like knows, knows Fianna. Fianna. she's good but yeah. like but again the adcc puts her up with you know if you potentially for some reason weren't paying attention to the women's side how of about, the sport how about hanato canuto you know like just bringing Dude, the his fire. match versus gary oh one, i yeah. think one of the best highlight i was talking about this uh with the guys with all the guys in the grappling rewind um i think gary tone and low-key might have two or three of like the top 10 exciting grappling matches of all time uh, agreed low-key like the match paul harris yep. the match with canuto and there's probably one more crazy gary tone match in I there mean, as well we can say gary tone too but like at this point everyone knows he's a marquee name oh yeah you know like everyone knows he puts but on I'm fire just saying, matches. like, all of these but different no, stories no, no. from ADCC. But I wanted to throw him in as well as falling under this umbrella of really exciting grapplers. Just grapplers, like, I don't care what their accolades are at this point. I will watch right. every single one of their matches because they're fire. They're amazing. They bring this, like, dynamic um, excitement to the matches um, that anyone could enjoy. I would show any of those matches to people who don't hey, know. Hey, what is jujitsu? This, this is, is jujitsu. Yeah, exactly. You're like, it doesn't usually look like this. Right. But when it does, if you're going to watch one match, like, this is the match I'm going to oh, show you. I, I want to talk about who's the guy in um, 88 who won the um, the trials. Uh, Hanger? No, not Hanger. Um, the other guy. 
uh, or was it 77? I can't remember. Uh, shirtless guy. Why am I blanking? Mason Fowler. Okay. Um, I was like, I was like, which there's many people that won trials, about eight of them. Yeah. Yeah. So Mason Fowler, I, he's another guy I'm going to start paying attention to because yeah. his matches were incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had that mat- amazing match with Monstro. Um, Dude, that match was low key. Like that was an awesome match. And then too. he had a really good match with Craig Jones too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, incredible matches mason fowler's another one of those guys where i'm gonna say it and like i'm gonna throw him in with all of these names where go and watch his matches he just he just he brings grapples exciting in an yeah. exciting fashion and i want to transition a little bit and talk more about how adcc was such a good event that it will bring new grapplers in and they actually interviewed um dana her a little bit about this and got his thoughts on it and it was really interesting to hear Danaher's thoughts on kind of how at its current state grappling is a still a niche sport but we have these moments where it breaks out and it starts to get exciting and of course he gets to cite Gary Tonin you know his one of his own guys as that kind of breakout star that can really bring it to grappling to a, a wider level, audience. A wider audience. Yeah. And so what I want to, what I was going to talk about or just mention briefly is that I want to write about these stories more, write about the events that occurred, write about some of the matches that I think all from the perspective of people who haven't seen much about grappling. Maybe they're white belts who just started or maybe they're friends of yours who, you know, if you're a grappler, friends of yours, you want to point them out or point point this out to them I'm going to be writing about some of these things that came out of ADCC and why people should be paying attention to it. Um, and why I, you should basically start getting into pro grappling. Yeah, exactly. Getting into grappling in general. Yeah, if you're awesome. a white belt or someone who doesn't know. Hey, I'm looking forward it. to it. I'm, I'm all, I always love like editing your articles and editing there because I'm a, I'm a terrible copy editor. So big fan of your work. Looking forward to seeing you write up more stuff, us to do more content. Anything else you got to meal this post ADCC week with your with your sickness and my tiredness? That's it. Awesome. Well, as always on the show, I'm your host Maine, and I'm your co-host Emil, and we are the Grappling Rewind. We'll see you on the mats. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show, and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have twitter we have google plus until that shuts down we have a website if you have an event you would like to have us cover please let us know if you have a name like most people do and you'd like to have us stop butchering it let us know reach out to us the show is also available on youtube spotify in addition to itunes and every other podcast service we very much appreciate your time and thank you